Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. The Marine veteran seen placing Jordan Neely in a chokehold on the subway is now expected to be criminally charged. Protesters have been calling for the Manhattan DA to charge Daniel Penny since that video became public. And now the DA is set to charge Penny with second-degree manslaughter when he's arrested. The countdown is over and the next phase has begun. Title 42 has now expired. Now the thousands of migrants gathered at the U.S.-Mexico borders are trying to figure out what's next. People who arrive at our southern border will be subject to our immigration enforcement authorities under Title 8 of the United States Code. The Adams administration started following through on its plan to relocate a fraction of asylum seekers who have come to New York City from southern states. Rockland and Orange counties have declared states of emergency to try and block the mayor. Today, the dispute devolved into name-calling. County exec day, uh, I mean, this guy has a record of being anti-Semitic, you know, his racist comments, uh, you know, his thoughts and how he responded to this. Really, it shows a lack of leadership. Fino said to me this morning, today happens to be Steve Winwood's birthday, and I love Steve Winwood. And we decided to start the show with a very, very popular Steve Winwood song. And about five minutes before this show started, Lou Rufino said, you know what? What about Superstar <laughs> by the Carpenters? And I go, wait a second. I know it's not Karen Carpenter's birthday. God rest her soul. I know it's not Richard Carpenter's birthday. Why would we start today's program with Superstar by the Carpenters? And, well, why don't you explain it, Lewis, being it was your idea. I have to repeat this sappy thing that I, I know, said. and it's going to bother the hell out of you. 
It doesn't bother me. But I want people to know this is not me because I'm labeled a narcissist, which I am, who cares, and egotistical and arrogant, and I'm all those things, and I'm number one, if you didn't know. But, Lou, why did you play that song? I I said... Uh, hey, I thought of this. Uh, I thought of it actually uh, driving in, like, because uh, you're a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that really hurt, didn't it? No, it didn't hurt. It yeah. just feels a little uh, squeamish. <laughs> I don't know. But I, although the song is good, and I think it was a nice start. It to is the show. a great song. And you and I both love The Carpenters. Yeah. Now, what you said just now was very sweet. I mean it seriously. And I'm humbled. I always say to you, and I mean this, you are the best at your job in the history of radio. And when you say nice things about me after working with Imus all those years, it doesn't fall on deaf ears. I, In fact, last night you sent me a text, which I'm not going to read, which was so sweet I was having ice cream. If you have to know, it was Ben and Jerry's chocolate chip. Oh, I was just going to ask the flavor. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm reading this text from Lewis, and I got all choked up right in front of Danielle. She said, oh, my God, why are you crying now? What is it? <laughs> and I read the text, and she's like, wow, that's really beautiful. So between the text last night and you picking Superstar this morning, I think you and I should have sex just once. It's not gay if you do it just once. Nobody uh, sent me any text or anything. Okay. Nobody cares about you. Okay. Um, thanks for hopping in. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can film. <laughs> What's my uh, Trump cards talking about you, Alec? Uh, I put them on the new sheet that I just well, handed I you. I didn't get the, the new sheet yet. Well, I did, actually. Because oh, I, I did right, get it. It's right in front of your thank face. You, thank yeah. you, Justin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tonight That's we'll right. send you a text. Sure. I'll send yeah. you one. I'll send I, don't one want, I, know, I don't want one tonight. It's Friday. I'll send one to you right yeah. now. Monday, <laughs> Monday through Thursday, you can text me all you want. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do it right now. Oh, now Friday. <laughs> yeah. Don't need you now. <laughs> so yesterday, uh, my show was over, our show, <clears throat> and I um, actually took a uh, trip with Danielle. We had some business to do. We had a really nice lunch. At one of my favorite places, you know it well, Lewis. You and I actually watched a Giants-Lions game there this season. Harbor Lights. Nice. Great place. Right across the street from where that airplane crashed two months after 9-11, not only killing people on the airplane, but people in their homes right across the street. A great restaurant. We had a lovely lunch. And then, uh, I guess who reached out to me? It was uh, Sit you know, the new uh, booker, and she said, hey, you want to hop on with John and Rita? And I was like, I'd love to do that. So I did, and it was a blast. I, Katsimatidis is fun. You know, he's, he's got a ton of energy. He's yelling. He's screaming. they got all these big stories. they got 40 people inside that room. God bless them. I don't know how he does it. I couldn't do that. I, I get two people in here. I start getting crazy. But it's a fun show. There's a lot of smart people in there. And I loved being on with John and Rita yesterday. So they brought me on to talk about this epic Donald Trump interview we did yesterday. But as I was preparing to talk about Trump, there was breaking news. And the breaking news was was that Hero Marine, yes, I said it. I said it, Jumani Williams, AOC, the rest of you. Daniel Penny is a hero. Hero Marine Daniel Penny was being charged with manslaughter. So Rita Cosby said to me at the very top of the show, 5.05 yesterday afternoon, Sid, are you surprised? And I said, if the question is, am I surprised? The answer is, of course not. Look, again, third time I'm going to say it. Daniel Penny is a hero. 
as far as I'm concerned. If more New Yorkers did what Daniel Penny did, you may not have 27 people murdered in the last three years on the subway. But, folks, let's be realistic. There's a black guy dead, crazy or not, at the hands of a white guy. We just went through nights and nights of rioting in New York City. There are political leaders in this town and people like that lowlife Al Sharpton that want blood. Do you honestly believe someone's not going to get charged? So I said on the show, I said, listen, of course I'm not surprised. I'm happy that it's not murder. Turns out it's manslaughter too, which is reckless, but there's no intent to kill. And I even mentioned on the show, I said, by the way, his attorney, I know we've heard from Stephen Razor, but his attorney is Tom Kniff. Tom Kniff was on this show last year with me because he ran against Alvin Bragg for DA. Now, we lost, but Tom and I have remained very, very good friends. And Tom called me last night. He got messages from Hannity, Greg Kelly, all these TV people. He is not going on with anyone, anyone, before he goes on with me. And with that said, he's, uh, I guess, at the police station this morning, turning in Daniel Penny. Then they'll go to court for the arraignment. And about 940 this morning, I will get the exclusive and first conversation with Daniel Penny's attorney, Tom Kniff. As I continue, and the show continues every day, to be the biggest newsmaker in New York City. But I said, I said, of course I'm not surprised. And I was surprised that the judge, who I love dearly and is much smarter than me, especially when it comes to the law, he was like, well, I am surprised. They could have just done nothing. I'm like, judge, are you, are you serious? Four days of rioting? You know, they had no choice. They had to do something. But again, he's got great attorneys. He really does, Daniel Penny. And my feeling is this will be dismissed and he'll win. But um, at the sake of repetition, no, I was not surprised. There was a charge. I was glad it wasn't murder. Daniel Penny's got the right guy, and I do believe that they will prevail. So that's uh, that was the 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon. It was um, kind of cool. And, you know, Eric Adams, this guy, he was on with me, what, guys, last week, the week before? Last what, week. I yelled at him. I said, Eric, stop using the word racist. The governor of Texas, racist. Ed Day, Rockland County, racist. What I say to him, I go, Eric, you keep using the word racist, people are going to call you a racist. Did I not say that? No, you said that. Yeah. So he does it again yesterday. Ed Day's anti-Semitic, he's racist. Make your point without doing stuff like that, Mr. Mayor. I hate when he does stuff like that. I mean, the one thing about the Jordan Neely case is Eric Adams has been great not good, great. Kathy Hochul rushed to judgment. AOC, that moron, rushed to judgment. Mayor Eric Adams has been great in this Penny Neely case. And for as good as he is there, that's how stupid he sounds. And I'll say it right to his face when he starts labeling people like Ed Day, who's a good man and a former cop, and Governor Abbott in Texas. So you're going to get both sides of Mayor Eric Adams right here. The good side? which is why it's frustrating. Like Bill de Blasio, he didn't have a good side. He was just a complete jerk-off and a criminal. And one of these days, trust me, I know a lot of attorneys in this town. I know a lot of people 
that $1.5 billion that his wife stole, whatever she did with it, that ain't going away. Just trust me. But Adams, unlike de Blasio, he's got good and bad. So here's the good Wednesday speaking on the death of Jordan Neely. Here's our Mayor Eric Adams, cut number one. My fellow New Yorkers, this has been a week of strong emotions in our city. One of our own is dead. A black man, black like me. That's what he shouldn't say. A man named Jordan, the name I gave my son. A New Yorker who struggled with tragedy, trauma, and mental illness. A man whose last words were a cry for help. A man named Jordan Neely. The circumstances surrounding his death are still being investigated. And while we have no control over that process, one thing we can control is how our city responds to this tragedy. One thing we can say for sure, Jordan Neely did not deserve to die. And all of us must work together to do more for our brothers and sisters struggling with serious mental illness. He had various encounters with the criminal justice system and was provided services to help him live safely in the community. But those efforts were not enough, and we must find ways to strengthen our system. All fair. I mean, look, I was on Jesse Waters last Friday. I think they wanted me to come out and just destroy Neely. I didn't do it. I started the conversation by saying, look, I get it. If you garner a certain amount of sympathy for Jordan Neely, I get it. What 14-year-old little boy is going to be okay if his mother is murdered and placed in a plastic bag? Now, some of the penny people are like, oh, F him. No, stop, folks. Stop. Not F him. He never got over that. But, but, eventually, you either get over it or you become a criminal, and there's no excuse to becoming a criminal, and that's what Jordan Neely was. Forty arrests. Some of those kind of nasty, punching a defenseless 67-year-old woman across the face. That's not a guy masturbating by himself on the subway. So he wasn't a good guy. And all these pictures you see of him doing his Michael Jackson stuff, that was like 10 years ago. This nice little, you know, boy-faced dancer, that was like 10 years ago. So he turned out to be a dangerous guy. Dangerous to himself and who knows who else. So Adams does a decent job there, but then again, yesterday, talking about Rockland County Executive Ed Day, as Title 42 expired yesterday, and thousands and thousands, according to my friend Donald Trump, 15 million migrants expected to make their way into the United States. A frustrated Eric Adams goes right to racist. That's what he does, and we know when Democrats do that, it's because they can't argue anything with any real substance. So as good as that first statement was on Jordan Neely, this is one that once again disappoints me. Mayor Eric Adams, cut number two. County exec day. I mean, this guy has a record of being anti-Semitic, you know, his racist comments, you know, his thoughts and how he responded to this. Really, it shows a lack of leadership. There it is. So that's the, uh, the Jordan Neely, Eric Adams... Rockland County, and again, Tom Kniff, the attorney for Daniel Penny, giving me the exclusive coming up at 940 this morning, unless he can't. Again, 
He is taking Penny down to the police station as we speak. Then Penny will go to court, be arraigned. That's when Kniff will call us. There was a one-day gag order, but it seems that Kniff is willing to go above and beyond that because of his friendship with me. We'll find out. He, again, is scheduled to stop by at 940. So if you missed it yesterday, yes, President Trump was here the day after his epic 63 minutes with Caitlin Collins and CNN on Wednesday night. We'll play a couple of quickies here, talking about uh, Ed Day, Rockland County, the end of Title 42. This is uh, the former president, Donald Trump, with me yesterday talking about how silly it is for Title 42 to end and do nothing else. This, Lewis, is cut number 20. Title 42 comes off. You're going to have millions of people marching through more. Millions have already come in, but you're going to have many more millions coming into our country. And we're just like a little lamb sitting there. We are so foolish <laughs> to allow this all to happen. And then Mayorkas spoke yesterday as well. The, I guess, what is his uh, title again? Homeland Security Secretary? Yeah, Department of Homeland Security Secretary. He's a real ass munch, isn't he? Yeah, he is, and he looks like one, too. Ha! <laughs> yeah. Here is uh, Mayorkas, cut number five. On the end of Title 42 and what that means. The pandemic-era Title 42 public health order will end. Starting at midnight, people who arrive at our southern border will be subject to our immigration enforcement authorities under Title 8 of the United States Code. Here is what that means. If anyone arrives at our southern border after midnight tonight, they will be presumed ineligible for asylum and subject to steeper consequences for unlawful entry, including a minimum five-year ban on re-entry and potential criminal prosecution. Real tough guy. One more for you, Lindsey Graham. You know, I was invited to a dinner next week with John Margot Katsimatidis, Larry Kudlow, a few others, very prestigious dinner, and Lindsey Graham is going to be there. Lindsey was on Fox News yesterday, and he blames all of this chaos on Mayorkas, because it's happening under his watch. Lindsey Graham, cut number three. It hasn't been a couple of years of chaos. It's been chaos on his watch. December of 2020, we had the lowest illegal crossings in the last 40 years. President Biden, can you not figure out what happened? You repealed all of the Trump policies that worked and replace them with open border policies, and you're surprised we have chaos. I don't think he's capable of making these changes politically. I think he's out of touch with what it takes to to secure our border. I don't think he has the political will to secure our border. And it's just a matter of time to America suffers mightily. Uh, the human tragedy is just just hard to put your head around. And now we'll wrap it up with this. Lindsey Graham says, open the door. For the terrorists, cut number four. They're incapable, in my view, the Biden administration, of changing policy to stop the flow because they're held captive by the left. This is not chaos. This is catastrophic. We're literally under siege when it comes to legal immigration. The amount of drugs flowing in this country is an all-time high. How hard would it be for somebody to get into this crowd of people that's a terrorist to kill a bunch of us? So... Um, this is catastrophic. Uh, the people in charge of securing our border should be fired. And if you want to change policy, you got to get a new president. Joe Biden will never change policy to bring the border back under control because he can't do it.
Here it is, Lindsey Graham. Okay, folks, we've got a bevy of unbelievable guests stopping by today, starting with famed defense attorney Arthur Idala, who'll join us momentarily on this manslaughter charge for Daniel Penny in this Jordan Neely case. Then we'll talk to Brian Kilmeade. Curtis, back on on a Friday morning. He was on Sean Hannity's show last night. Joseph Takapina back today. Nicole Maliotakis. Rudy Giuliani. Academy Award-winning actor John Voight. We'll also talk to former Jet all-time great Joe Namath. The Jets open up their season Monday night football, September 11th, against the Buffalo Bills, the start of the Aaron Rodgers era. And once again, a Sid Rosenberg exclusive, Daniel Penny's attorney, Tom Kniff, will join us and only us coming up at 940 this morning. Big, big show, folks. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Happy Friday, New York, and welcome back. Just the radio. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. even one other city, to see Bruce Springsteen live. He's been on quite a bit these days with all these cases. Joe Tacopina is going to join me at 725 this morning. Of course, uh, the E. Jean Carroll verdict, just a couple of days old. And now, Daniel Penny in court this morning. His attorney, Tom Knipp, will also join me today. But Arthur Idala, one of the best in the business, if not the best, right there with Tacopina. And uh, he's got his own thoughts on this beautiful Friday morning. Artie, when are you going to, uh, to Italy to see Springsteen? Is that next week? Well, first of all, I'm a little annoyed. You couldn't have just thrown me on yesterday for two minutes where you could have done the whole week. I mean, why did <laughs> you have to break up the street? Yeah, you're right. Why did you have to break up the street? You're right. It would have been uh, it would have been all five days. Chris Takapina tells Joe, hey, Artie's on almost every day. Where are you, Joseph? But he's busy these days. In fact, he's going to London uh, this weekend to see his grandchild for the first time while you go to Italy, then, I believe. 
No, 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 no. He's going to London to see his grandchild, and then he's going to Italy to meet me. Right. And we're going to see Springsteen together. So it's uh, that's awesome. It's amazing, though, if you want to see how life works. And it's, I don't know if it's a little different now because of all the ways we have to interact with people. But when you think about it, I know Tacopina since 1979. I mean, that's a long time yeah. for us to still be. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it's not like we're just kind of like acquaintances. Like, I, you know, we're going to go up see a concert together in a foreign country. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's cool. Show. And last night I'm in the middle of a, the Catholic lawyers uh, awards at, at Gargiulo's and I get a text from Bruce Jarrett. Please call me. So I get another guy knows since 1979, you know, he actually knew much better than I did. And he's a Hollywood guy and he just landed a new uh, thing with um, De Niro. And that did, I don't know, they're doing some sort of, organized crime version of uh, Christmas Carol, and he got signed up, so he was half in the bag, all excited. <laughs> yeah. So it's amazing how it you know, sit in friends. You got These are all your friends, like Dollar, Tacopina, Bruce Sherrod. These are people you know for literally over 40 years, and that blows my mind sometimes. Well, it all goes back to one place, and that is Polly Prepper. Folks that don't know, Arthur was in the class before me, my sister Lizzie's class. But every morning there were four of us who carpooled together back in the fifth grade there was a kid named George Small. There was Sid Rosenberg. There was the aforementioned Bruce Charrett, who lived on Bedford Avenue. And there was Joseph Tacopina. So me, Tac, and Bruce carpooled together every day, dating all the way back to 1979. So it has been a long history. We're all really good friends to this day. That makes I me proud. I spoke to all three of you yesterday. I spoke yeah. to you yesterday. I spoke to Joe. That's awesome. That is crazy, awesome. Right? It is crazy. And then, and then, look, in all seriousness, you know, you talk about the biggest attorneys in the country today. We're also friends, you and I, with Jose Baez and Tacopina down in Miami. He's an impressive guy. But really, you got to start with you and Tac. So where you guys have uh, ended up from 1979 in Diker Heights is uh, pretty amazing. And I congratulate the both of you. I love you both. But I do want to get to this uh, Neely story. I called into Katz yesterday and... Uh, Rita asked me, are you surprised? And, again, I'm not Judge Weinberger. I'm not you. But, uh, of course, I'm not surprised. There's no way in a million years Jordan Neely ends up dead. you got nights and nights of riots and protests in New York City, and no one's going to be charged with anything. There's just no way. Do you agree with that? Well, I mean, I I, I think I said those people who stop the trains and stop, stop the uh, traffic and, you know, screw up us as regular citizens – I, I would, I, if I was the D, I would be very heavy-handed with them. I have no issue with protesting, but you know what? You know the NYPD is in charge, and when it, where they tell you to protest, how long, you know, all that stuff should be permitted and to do things, not to stop the good man or woman who works for Con Edison or Verizon or whatever who's just out there breaking their butt, making a buck. So those protesters that screw things up. I, again, I mean, talking about Neely, I'm a subway rider. You're sitting on that train, and all of a sudden it comes to a screeching halt, and you don't know what the hell's going on. I would I would really be heavy-handed with the protesters who screw up the city and our way of transit. Let me talk about two things. Number one, when I was on your show, the good thing about Alvin Bragg's office, and I'm going to give him all the credit, but I'll say his office, because I know there are very senior prosecutors working on this case – the good thing is, as I said on your show, the worst he should get charged with is manslaughter in the second degree, not manslaughter in the first degree, not any form of murder. 
and that, in fact, is what he's surrendering himself on, is manslaughter in the second degree, which on the list of homicides is the second to the lowest. It's manslaughter in the second degree, and then the lowest is criminal negligent homicide. Both of those, he's eligible for probation. He doesn't even need the DA's office for permission. He can plead directly to the judge, and a judge, if had the had the guts, could give him straight probation. So at least at this point, they're not overcharging the case. So that's in the positive column. But in the negative column, and this is what you should tell, you should ask Tom, because I, I know Tom very well for a long time, and he's an excellent lawyer. Um, why, why do they have to do this, Sid? In other words, they could present this case to without arresting him. They could present the case to the recurring jury. Without arresting him, they could give him the opportunity to testify in front of the grand jury without arresting him. And then the grand jury could do what we call blow it out. They could say, hey, you know what? We think the guy actually deserves an award. I, yeah, I, I don't think – look, look, again, I, I, I did have one conversation with Kniff 8 o'clock last night. That's off the record. So I do know some things to what you're talking about, which I will not share. I'll give Tom the chance to do that. But uh, this was not discussed with Tom. And, again, I'm a layman. You're a pro. But I do believe the grand jury uh, the grand jury doesn't want this because I don't think they can indict him. I really don't. So well, I don't think so they want to waste so their if, time. Well, so they, but here's the thing. The only way, the only way he can be charged with manslaughter in the second degree is if a grand jury indicts him. In other words, right now, these are initial what's called criminal court complaint charges. After he gets charged with these things, with the, with these two crimes, well, I'm going to assume it's going to be two crimes. We definitely know it's it's manslaughter of the second degree. The only way that sticks is if a grand jury indicts him. If a grand jury does not indict him, then there's no charges against him. So my point is this. You really only need to arrest someone like this if you think they're going to run, if you think they're going to flee. And they're like, oh, like, let's see, Sid, he's supposed to surrender today. What are they going to ask for for bail? Are they going to be cool and smart and appropriate and say, Your Honor, this guy surrendered himself. We know his lawyer. We know he served our country. We're not asking for any bail. We're just asking to make sure he comes back to the next court date. That's the right thing to do. Or, or are they going to go in there like jackasses and say, well, Judge, this is a murder case. We want a million dollars bail and put on a whole show and appease those jerks who jumped into the subway? So who jumped into the subway uh, and stopped the trains right, from running. Right. My point, from a legal point of view, is they don't need to. He doesn't need to surrender today because a grand jury has not indicted him. They could wait. I've had cases all the time, all the time. But here, here's the perfect example: Donald Trump. They didn't arrest Donald Trump first and then go in the grand jury and then uh, indict him. They went into the grand jury first. And then they arrested him after the grand jury indicted him. Gotcha. So that's, that's a perfect example. They didn't say to Takapina, you better surrender Trump. We're going to arrest him now. We're going to charge him with these crimes, and then we're going to go into the grand jury. That's not what they did. That's, they should do the same thing with this guy as they did with Donald Trump. They should say to Neely, okay, we put the case in the grand jury. If you want to testify, come on in. And then if the jury votes out, manslaughter in the second degree then you say okay come on in we have to arrest you and if they don't blow it out if they don't indict him and they blow it out then this guy never has handcuffs put on him and he goes on with his life so 
you know, let's see what the bail request is today. That's what I want you to listen to, Sid, seriously, today. And, and you can ask Tommy because he should know. Tom should know this morning on your show, do you know what their bail – how much bail are they going to ask? Well, he's going to know because uh, I believe, as you and I are speaking, I believe he's actually uh, escorting Daniel Penny to the police department. Then he'll be arraigned after that. And Knip will go back to his office in the 9 o'clock hour, then call me about 940. So all these questions you're bringing up, we should have answers for by 940 uh, by the time he calls in. Now, there was a gag order last night, and uh, Knip was not answering anybody's messages except for mine. And there's a possibility he may come on this morning, Arthur, at 940 and say, hey, I really can't say much until Monday or Tuesday. That possibility exists, but but if he's willing to talk, I'll get you all those answers. Yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll talk because he, there can't be an official gag order because they're not going to see a judge until after lunch. The way this works is it's just, we could use the Trump case as a perfect example, remember? Well, no, the president came in around, whatever, 11 o'clock. Here, he's going to come in early uh, right now. They're going to fingerprint him. They're going to take his picture. He's, he's, he went to a precinct, not to the DA's office Correct. the way the president did. Right. So he's at the precinct, and they will put handcuffs on him to escort him from the precinct to the courthouse. He'll sit in the back of the courthouse. He'll go to on the first floor. That's where they do criminal court arraignments in 100 Setter Street. Um, probably the chief administrative judge, uh, Kevin McGrath, for criminal matters will be the one who does the uh, arraignments for him. And that'll probably be done right after lunch. It'll be all very well choreographed. Those were all professionals over there. But, uh, and, you know, McGrath, typically, this judge is typically kind of heavy-handed when it comes to bail because he's a very law and order guy. But <laughs> I could I could see McGrath personally, not professionally, but personally very proud of of Neely and, and rooting for him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes very light on him if the DA's office asks for bail. In my opinion, they should ask for no bail whatsoever because this guy walked in. If he was going to run, Sid, he would have run right. a week ago. All right. week long he's had to run. Instead, he's he's strolling in this morning to a police precinct knowing what awaits him. Hey, Artie, as always, I can't thank you enough. Great insight here. I mean, really great insight. And four out of five days this week goes to show you as we played Superstar by the Carpenters to start the show, what a superstar you are. So thank you for hopping in uh, early this Friday morning. Great job. Thank you. All right. Thanks, bro. Congratulations again with the president. Yes, thank you, job. buddy. I love you, Artie. Thank you so much. There he is, the great defense attorney, Arthur Idala, giving you some real good information. Again, the retired Marine, Daniel Penny, about to surrender to the New York Police Department. Yes, it'll be out of precinct, not a courthouse. He's facing charges. The big one, manslaughter, too which is uh, reckless, not intent, which is, uh, of course, better than murder or manslaughter one. We will talk to his attorney, Tom Kniff, coming up at 940 this morning. Joseph Takapina will also stop by next hour. So you will get the best coverage on this Daniel Penny, Jordan Neely case right here with us on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Brian Kilmeade will join us next, my man from Fox News. He's on right now on Fox and Friends. Also, traffic with Joe Nolan. But right now, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. 
Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's mini-cast is from the other side of midnight. Great show with my buddy Frank Morano. Here, Frank talks with Mick West. What sparked your interest in being, let's call it, a, a conspiracy skeptic? How'd you get started in this? Yeah, it actually started a very long time ago. Uh, and it actually started with my very first kind of forays into the Internet before the Internet was the Internet. I was uh, discussing things on bulletin boards where you had to use a dial-up modem to get into them and you, you wouldn't get a reply from someone until the next day. But even back then, I kind of enjoyed kind of the back and forth of just kind of exchanging ideas with people. And then kind of over the years, I just got more and more interested in stuff like uh, science and uh, pseudoscience. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Alec here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PeerlessBoilers.com. Find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Well, baseball's not fun to watch anymore here in New York City because both teams, well, they stink. And uh, the Mets, they got blanked 5 to nothing in Cincinnati at the hands of the Reds. And Roots 2 dropping their fifth straight series before they get ready to head to Washington to open up a four-game set with the Nationals tonight at 7.05. And that's 18 and 20 overall and seven and a half games back of the first place Braves. So that's uh, your first depressing note of the day. As for the Yankees, their sweep of the A's was clearly a big time fluke as they went right back to utter incompetence on the field last night in the form of an 8 2 loss to the ALE's first place Tampa Bay Rays. Just a way better baseball team at this point than the Yankees. The loss puts the Yanks at 21 and 18 and right into last place. Bottom feeders here in the ALE's now nine games back of Tampa. Game two of that four game set is tonight. That's 7.05, and um, I'm not going to watch, so why should you? On the ice, that's all she wrote for the New Jersey Devils after last night's 3-2 Game 5 overtime loss to the Carolina Hurricanes, who handedly took down the Devs four games to one to advance into the East Finals. Timo Meyer and Dawson Mercer netted the two New Jersey goals, but it was Jesper Faust on the power play in overtime that broke the Devs' hearts and sent them packing into the offseason. The Canes will await the winner of the Panthers' Maple Leaf Series to see who they'll be meeting in the Conference Finals set to begin at some point next week. In the NBA, the Celtics beat the 76ers 95-86 to not their East semifinal series at three apiece and the Nuggets they move past the Suns 125 to 100 to advance into the Western Conference Finals tonight your New York Knickerbockers they'll try and knock things at three in Miami against the Heat tip off for game six is set for 730 with the Knicks on the brink of elimination down three games to two here with sports on 77 WABC sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers go to PeerlessBoilers.com PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you they're the world's best built boilers and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC sit in friends in the morning 77 WABC BC. Monday morning feels so bad. Everybody seems to nag me. Coming Tuesday, I feel better. Even my own man looks good. Well, as you know, the man that follows me every weekday at 10 o'clock does a tremendous job is my dear buddy Brian Kilmeade. You know him. Fox and Friends on Fox News. One Nation, 8 p.m. every Saturday night on Fox News. And then, as I just mentioned, right here, 10 o'clock every morning. Happy Friday morning, my man Brian Kilmeade. It's been a wild week, right? It's been a wild week, yes. And uh, we got so many guests on today to cover a lot of these uh, issues. Curtis will join us right after you. He was on with Hannity last night. Takapina right after that. We're going to talk to uh, Tom Kniff. I've got the exclusive. He happens to be Daniel Penny's attorney. He is not doing any other media except for me. You know, he ran against Bragg last year. 
And, of course, he lost, but no one really paid attention to the guy. I put him on, and he's forever loyal because of that. So Tom Kniff will join me in about three hours talking about Daniel Penny, whatever he can say. Other guests say include Scott Bayo and John Voigt and Joe Namath. But, um, yes, a lot going on. We'll start with Donald Trump. He was on this show yesterday, Brian, and saying a lot of the same things you heard him say on CNN the night before on Wednesday night, right off the bat, what were your impressions of Donald Trump, CNN, that whole fiasco we saw on Wednesday? Well, I mean, it's just, number one, how clueless people are on CNN and how what a bubble they're in. If you watch the pre- and post-game show, they're horrified that the former president would actually go on a news network who's leading the charge to be the Republican nominee. That is called news. It's not up to you. That Your judgment in every way is to put him on. In CNN, evidently there were producers crying at their desk because they had him on. He tells so many lies. Really? What about the lies that the border is closed? What about the lies that Afghanistan was not chaotic? What about what Joe, what, uh, what Joe Biden says on a daily basis that has to be brought back, even the fact that we're going to go to war if Taiwan's invaded? What about the fact that I never knew any? Uh, I never knew anything about Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings, and what we found out this week about twenty separate companies in all these meetings with these business people and the central players in all these deals. What about all those lies? What if uh, What if Fox got uh, was saying I don't want to interview Joe Biden? He lies. No, he's a leader elected. He's the president. That is news. The way Donald Trump didn't put his best argument forward. I mean, Donald Trump at the border, they said, what about the child separation policy? Typical CNN question. A policy that was in place for two weeks that even Melania was against, that he amended, changed, and got he got the best border working on so many different levels, fired people that were ineffective. And then what he did is pressured all the Central and South American countries to enforce their borders. Or to, he took back their aid. And then he put tariffs on Mexico, were threatened to do it, and they stepped up. Why Donald Trump didn't tell his story better is beyond me. And he built 450 miles of fence. Some of it was replaced because it was split rail fence. So you want to say, you don't want to say that's real? Wrong. So she wants to come back and say 52 miles? Well, that was brand new, but the replaced 450. And remember why I didn't get it, because Democrats didn't want to build it, yet we're still using it as the primary block for the millions coming across here. So I thought Trump was uh, composed. He was prepared, but I thought that he could have told his story better. And I, I just can't believe that Caitlin Collins and them decided to spend 20 minutes on January 6th. When are they going to realize? Outside CNN newsroom, nobody cares. <laughs> I mean, nobody. nobody cares about January right. 6th. Nobody cares. And you're right. He, he could have done better on some of these answers, but I thought he did press on the wall. She said 52 miles about nine times. She called him a liar. She would talk over him, ask the same question time and time again. At O'Reilly on yesterday, he said, Sid, you're being too tough on her. She's 31 years old. I don't care. I don't care. I found her to be disgraceful, really disrespectful. Disrespectful. Yes, very nasty, like he said. I know she's vying for the 9 p.m. job, and she's got her marching orders from her bosses. But I don't care how pretty she is, how nice she is, how sweet she is, how young she is. She came off as a disrespectful nasty. Nasty person. I thought she was awful. Yeah, uh, that's what she does. That's exactly how she was in the newsroom. I know her. I think she, you know, I always got along with her. I don't, you know, it's been a while when she was at the Daily Caller. And, you know, she hated work with Don Lemon. So she's going to get her. It looks like she's going to get the nine o'clock show. But that's the way she, that's the way Jim Acosta talked to the president. 
That is the way she talked to the president, dismissive without any respect. And one thing about, um, you know, uh, Jackie Heinrich and Peter Ducey and everybody, they're respectful. They're respectful to the press secretary, respectful to the president, and he gives them no time. Trump walked up and down the line, told his press secretary, said, I'll handle it. And he would point to people and just take any question at any time. He gets no credit for that. So, and that's somebody, you know, that's somebody that uh, I just think that I was hoping for the country's sake that CNN actually had a new approach and invited him on to yeah. show that they're going to give him a fair hearing like they did in 2015, but it quickly changed after he won. They never thought he'd win, perhaps. So now uh, it's going to be no one's going to they're going to go back to their point five. And I think other candidates probably want to just say it's not even worth going over. No one's watching and they're not listening. He actually said that to me, too. He said, I was hoping that they changed. And so he gave him 63 minutes. And even though the ratings were great and he told me yesterday, I got a bump again in the ratings and. And all that in, uh, you know, in his lead, I should say. And he continues to, to, to have big numbers ahead of both DeSantis and Joe Biden, even after, again, the arraignment in New York City after Alvin Bragg, even after the jury came back with that ridiculous sexually abuse charge and, uh, and that fine, which I told you that night I thought was a win for Trump, and I still feel that way. Even with all that going on, his numbers and CNN, his numbers continue to rise, and he's building big leads on just about everyone. Are you surprised about that yeah i am but i just want to see what happens after desantis gets in you know chris christie came on with us and just blew after that verdict and after the press conference tweeted he's like that his answer on he saw thought the president trump's answer on abortion was terrible he thought that his answer uh, I just, on by the way i disagree I, and i'm a pro-choice guy i'm not pro-life i'm pro-choice but to hear the president say hey now pro-life people can negotiate but but I want everyone to be happy. That was not an awful answer. Just like the Ukraine-Russia thing. They wanted to nab him as a Putin ally and you're rooting for Russia. He said, no, I want the people to stop dying, less bloodshed. So the one thing the president did do, when Chris Christie will never say a nice thing about him, he really won't, whether it's with you or Stephanopoulos, the president actually went out of his way to try to make sure everybody was happy. What's wrong with that? A couple of things. Number one, you know, tactically... Uh, the pro-life people are going to be extremely upset by that that answer, and he knows he's eating easy evangelicals to win anything, the nomination. He also needs them to win the general. They hate that answer. Number two, I like what he said about this. I'm not going to say that Vladimir Putin's a war criminal because how am I going to deal with him and how, how much is he going to dig in and use nuclear weapons because he knows he's going to be arrested if he loses. So that was smart. And what his real answer was with Ukraine, you know he can't end it in a day unless Vladimir Putin's just going to leave. So he was one, one country invaded another. This wasn't a spontaneous fight. One country invaded, and now they're getting their ass kicked, and they're going to have a terrible spring and summer, by the way. But that's smart of Trump. Trump looks at everything as negotiation. If I come out and say, yeah, I want Ukraine to win, why would Russia sit down with him? So that was a good answer. But not saying I want Ukraine, you could say one country invaded another. That's never going to work in the 21st century, and that's got to stop now. But what I need to do is to be credible on both sides to stop this. I could do it myself, like Teddy Roosevelt with Japan and Russia 120 years ago. I got it. So that was fine. The problem is I. it's not clear to me that he understands that that the bad guys in this situation is Russia. Ukraine was not going to invade Russia. 
and there's one guy, there's one group of people aiming for apartment buildings, not military complexes, and that's Russia. So they're about to get their ass kicked this summer. So that might play itself out. I just thought that the president is the reason, main reason why he's surging in retrospect, Sid, is because everyone thirsts for his policies. His policies are so much better than what we're living in right now, the, the, the begin but don't end with the border. People are going, I'm giving this guy another look. So if he can massage that message, tell his story better, look forward and less really push to look back on 2020, uh, I think he's in, in a pretty good situation right now. But I would not be bringing up voting machines and anything else in, in 2020 and talking about ballots and tubs because nothing backs up his statement. Fair enough. That's what Caitlin Collins said time and time again on Wednesday. My main man, Brian Kilmeade, on this Friday morning. So as I mentioned uh, at the very top, I've got an exclusive interview coming up, Brian, in about three hours, 940 this morning. Tom Kniff, his uh, client, Daniel Penny, being arraigned, will be the police station this morning. And uh, then, of course, uh, go to court. And Tom will speak to me after that. And, And look, somebody asked me on Katz Matiti's show yesterday. Rita did, in fact. Are you surprised he was charged? And I said, no. Come on, man. This is New York City. You've got a dead man on a subway platform at the hands of black man, at the hands of a white man. We just had three or four days of protest. Someone eventually is going to be charged with something. Now, I was actually happy, of course, he was charged with manslaughter, too, and not murder, because I said for days, you cannot charge this man with murder. Now, it's not the Alba situation. Alba, that was self-defense. This guy jumped in to help a passenger. That's not self-defense. So I'm not surprised he got charged, but I feel better it's not murder. And I do believe, because I know Tom Kniff, he's a very, very good lawyer, that he'll find a way to get this thing thrown out and the Marine will be fine because I, I maintain the Marine is a hero. More New Yorkers need to do what this Marine did. But to think there'd be no charges in this in New York City, I thought was very unrealistic. Right. Uh, I just hope, you know, you saw some of those, co- those comments from uh, nameless eyewitnesses who are going to come forward saying this guy's a hero and that he didn't engage, he didn't en- engage uh, the, the victim, Jordan Neely, right away until he became a clearly a threat. Then he locked him up in a submission hold, never meant to choke. It was meant to subdue. And evidently what happened in between, we don't know yet. But I'm telling you today, that subway's a dangerous place. And that was 2.30 in the afternoon on the F train, which is right below my building. And I'm telling you right now, Sid, if there's something that happens, even with you, with uh, with all your muscle and knowledge of self-defense, I would recommend that you don't get involved. It's going to be hard not to. But if you see someone losing their mind and you say, I got to jump up because this woman's going to get hit, after seeing what's happened, the protests that have taken place, the way this kid uh, in West Islip's life is turned upside down and all his family members, too. And now he's going to be looking at court cases, not a career after the Marines. How could you possibly say get involved? Well, listen, right? uh, Jesse Waters asked me that on his show on Friday night. He said, Sid, you know, like he's a, a big guy. Would you do it? And I said four days ago, without any hesitation, to your point, Brian, I said to Jesse Friday at this point, no way, because that citizen is like a cop, 
right? The cop does their job, and more than often, they get lame-basted by the media. They can't win. Same thing now with a guy like Daniel Penny. So to your point, yes, people will be less inclined to get involved, and that makes New York less safe. Last thing in about two minutes here, the mayor has done it again. I yelled at the mayor, literally yelled at him on this program about two weeks ago. I said, Eric, stop using the word racist. When you use the word racist, more than often people will label you as a racist. All right? The the, the issue is not black. It's blue. It's Democrats. It's policy. And again yesterday, Ed Day, Rockland County, calls him an anti-Semite and a racist. Why does the mayor feel the need, Brian Kilmeade, to keep calling people racist? It's stupid. The way he handled Daniel Penny, I loved it. The way he handled the governor of Texas, calling him a racist, and now calling this guy a bigot, uh, is, is sickening. It's 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 uh, an insult because Ed Day is not saying my this black mayor better not send Hispanics to my county. He's saying they're illegal immigrants. I got elected to protect my twenty nine thousand constituents. Why are you doing this without calling me? Why are you cutting deals with the hotel without telling me? And now he's a bigot. And what it does is. It's a insult to everybody listening, and when you start doing that to people that aren't racist, anti-Semitic, and aren't sexist or anything else, they shut you down and they're done with you. If you ever want to destroy your career, continue it. And I was just so proud of the way he's handled to this point the, the, the subway situation, and he keeps on staring down all these people who want to inflame it like our idiotic governor, and then he does this. Yeah. Yep. And by the way, it's not stopping. We have war between the Texas National Guard and the federal troops and federal policy and Border Patrol. And now we're going to have war between the city and the suburbs in New York. And I'm sure it's going to spread all because our federal government has decided not to do its job and actually do one of the few things it could do to destroy the fabric of our country. And that is open up the back door and let up to 10 million in. It's crazy. It is insane and unsustainable. Who's on One Nation tomorrow night? Going live. I'm going to have Will Kane, a lot of experts with me, uh, Jason Chaffetz, because I'm going to be uh, dissolving back and forth from the DeSantis rally at 730 uh, to the Trump rally at 8. I'm not sure if anything starts on time, so I'm just going to play it fast and loose like we do with the with our radio shows. It's going to be great. One Nation's a great show, folks. 8 p.m. every Saturday night on Fox News. Brian's about to get going on Fox and Friends momentarily. And, of course, you can catch Brian right after me, 10 o'clock every weekday morning, doing a great job here on WABC. As always, Brian, great to catch up, buddy. You the man. Love you. Do it again next week. Have a great weekend. And congratulations on all your interviews, Sid. Keep making news. Thank you, buddy. There he is, Brian Kilmeade, right after me, 10 o'clock every morning. We'll take a short break. You've got a huge guest list, as I mentioned to Brian at the top, coming up today. So keep it right here, Sid Rosenberg, on a Friday. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. 
77 WABC. Disco Friday. My man Curtis Sliwa does a great job at this station, noon to one every weekday, all weekend long. Was tremendous with Sean Hannity on Fox News last night. Curtis, this one goes out to you. Disco Friday. Daniel Penny surrendering to police as we speak. His attorney, Tom Knipp, will give me the exclusive coming up at 940 this morning. You're on with Hannity talking about this last night. There's nobody better, not just in New York, but the country, the world, when it comes to New York City, when it comes to subway crimes. So for folks who didn't catch you on Sean Hannity last night with Penny about to surrender this morning, where do you stand, Curtis, in this Penny Neely case? Oh, wait. Yeah, it was such a great jam. D-Train. See, <laughs> D-Train. D-Train, yeah. Keep it on. Keep it on. <laughs> Keep it on, which you've been doing all week long and before that. Thank you. I got to tell you that. Uh, but uh, before we get to that, uh, I really don't need uh, manly love to open up the morning at 6 o'clock you and Lou were lip-locking there. <laughs> this weekend, guys, if you want to see them, Bay One, Reese Park, they'll be rolling out their tar paper. And I'm going to suggest to John and Margot that we get a float for Sunday, June 25th, Gay Pride, which will have, uh, instead of Vito Spadaforia and Jimmy Johnny Cakes uh, Witowski of the Sopranos there, it'll be you and Lou. You'll be wearing your chaps, your vest. You'll be waving to the crowd, manly love. And maybe we'll get... Uh, Dylan Mulvaney up there and George Santos, you know, the drag queen. Yeah. You know what's funny about that date? Is that really the gay pride parade? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't make it that day because June 25th happens to be my 31st wedding anniversary with the beautiful Danielle. No, you just tell Danielle you're having a midlife crisis. <laughs> this this text love uh, between you and Lou and Justin seemed to be jealous. He, he was seemed jealous. to want to get in on the action. <laughs> he was jealous. Well, what do you have, a three-way there? Hey, listen, oh, a couple of shots of tequila, anything can happen. Yeah, circle jerks, right? That's all three of you guys. Oh, my God. I, I said to myself, what's happening here at WABC? And, and Lou was all like, oh. He was pretty broken up. And you humble. You uh, said, yes. I humbled myself. What? That's the first time in your life you humbled yourself. I think the second time. By the way, <laughs> let me ask you a question. With you and Lou, who's the pitcher, who's the catcher? Oh, we switch. Oh, you do? Yeah. I'm like Jose Kendo. I play every position. Switch hitters. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Well, look, we're reaching new demographics, right? Yes, we're we all are. inclusive. Yes. And led by our leader of the pack, Sid Rosenberg, <laughs> with his chaps down in the mine shaft. Come on, guys. And, you know, uh, it's funny. Uh, you talk about uh, me and, and all the stuff that goes on with my crew here. You know that when the show started on New York One this morning, at 6 a.m., do you know, you know, you see Pat Kiernan every morning and these other, and um, Brian Selter's fat wife. Do you know who was already sitting on set 6 a.m. with Pat Kiernan? Ron Kuby. Whose and, mommy is a comic. Right, of course, he was there to talk about the penny. and Of uh, course, of course. Uh, he, he's a white guy, right? A United States Marine sergeant. Uh, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli to the subways of New York City. Ron Kuby would want to give him the death penalty. And by the way, uh, one last thing. 
I, I was waiting in the bullpen yesterday, man. I was so ready to come in and testify against that Mamalu Frank Morano, whose number one holiday is Sunday. You know, mom, mommy's day. Oh, mommy. <laughs> and I was ready to drop the anvil on him. Bo Dita was salivating. And he basically took the knee. He capitulated. He said, I'm sorry. He did. I'm he sorry. did. And Bo Dito was in a very forgiving mood. And moments after Frank Morano apologized, Bo said, there'll be no vote, no commission. I forgive him. I'm not in any forgiving mood, as you know. Ron Kubiu's <laughs> mommy is a comedy. Stabbed me right in the back. Yes. Went into the courtroom with John Gotti Jr. Tried to have me whack. Five times I'm shot with hollow point bullets. He testified on John Gotti Jr.'s behalf. Said, well, you know, my radio partner really deserved it. You know, maybe maybe he would have put a sixth or a seventh bullet into him. <laughs> well, let me just expand on what Kobe said. You did deserve it. And nobody loves you more than me, nobody. And you become one of the main reasons why this show gets great ratings. I mean that. But you did deserve it. But Ron shouldn't have said that being you was your radio partner. Could it be both? That, yes, you did deserve it? But Ron was still out of line. Look, I don't know. I've lost count how many ex-wives, how many ex-radio partners I've had. I, I have vertical. You know, what was it? Bono's birthday the other day. You know, maybe we should have come in playing vertical. But let's get back to the USMC sergeant from West Islip. Now, they've had his information for a week. You know they were doing a deep dive. They, 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 they tried to analyze the tattoos that he had on his well, body. When you say they did, you mean Alvin Bragg? No. Who? I'm talking about media that wants to deep six this right. narrative. Right. They analyze every tattoo because he's all tatted up. They looked at his record. Former Marines. And you're always going to find somebody that says something bad about you. His former high school mates, right? He's a surfer boy, right? He's like a beach boy. He loves to surf. He's gone backpacking in Central America. He's read Don Quixote. I couldn't even get through the cliff notes of Don Quixote. <laughs> the guy is a... He, he's a worldly kind of guy. You don't necessarily expect that kind of guy to be a jawhead, to be a Marine. He doesn't fit their narrative. So they do a deep dive, and they come up with belly button lint. By now, somebody would have come up and said, oh, yeah, you know, uh, he was talking with Proud Boys or Oath Keepers. Or nothing. Nothing. Clean. And by Clean. the way, Hero, as you pointed out, Hero he did not run, he did not flee, he did not have the fright that so many passengers have. And now because he's going to be hit with a second-degree manslaughter charge, so many more fewer of the men out there who already had shrunken culions, huevos, are not going to get involved at all. And I was glad to see that your very dear friend, Arthur Idala, finally decided not to act like an expert on the subway. Uh, four days up, four days. I ride the subway right to today. He kept it to his expertise, the law. From now on, whenever he tries to say he's a subway rider, shut him down. Well, he did mention today that he does take the subway three times a day. But to your point, Jesse Waters asked me this on TV last week. He said, you're a big guy. You can defend yourself. Would you do it? And without any hesitation, I said, Jesse, four days ago, yes. Today, no. I was asked the same question in two other spots. Now, you, Curtis... And I mean this in a big way. You've dedicated your life to doing stuff like that, protecting New Yorkers for the better part of 40 years. You're a beautiful guy. God bless you. But a lot of guys like me, if we're in that position, we're not going to help you know, them. You know, if it ever gets to a trial, you're going to have to speak to the attorney. I know him well. He ran against Bragg. And the people of Manhattan were idiots because they didn't elect the Republican. They went with the Democrat. Tom Kniff, who also, much like the Marine who, who unfortunately killed Jordan Neely, Tom Kniff also served our country. Tom Kniff should have me on the witness stand. How many times have you done uh, headlocks and chokeholds? More than 100. 
Right. What are the circumstances? Because, you know, the people, you've seen the people react to me. Let's say it's a jury of mostly people of color. They love me. Oh, my God. That's the one thing I'll never forget. The one night all the way back in 2016 when you so graciously invited me to take that Guardian Angel tour with you in the worst neighborhoods of Brooklyn. From the Ville. Brownsville. Never ran, never will. And I remember walking into Penn Station. I remember this. And like 20 people running over to you to kiss you and hug you. Every one of them was black. Put me on the witness stand. It'll be jury nullification. They'll say, oh, Curtis is the expert. Nobody, you know. And by the way, uh, to your friend, here it is again, the race card. Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, right? No, no, no. no Mayor no, of no, the no. illegal aliens no, 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 no. calling Ed Day. Now, remember, Ed Day was a cop. He was one of those white cracker cops that Eric Adams said, I, I kicked the ass of those white crackers that day. Now he's calling him an anti-Semite, a racist. Does he not realize that one-third of Rockland County are the Orthodox and the Hasidim? How the hell could he have gotten elected? He got the block vote, you idiot, Eric Adams, as did Lola. So you call him an anti-Semite and a racist. Only white people. The day after he won the primary, you knew he would have to face me after I crushed Fernando Mateo. By the way, has anybody seen him? All of a sudden, what did he call me? He called me a racist, a sexist, a, a, a misogynist, a homophobe, a xenophobe, an anti-Semite. Remember, they dropped the tape on me. Curtis Sliwa, who protected the Jews at Crown Heights, 30 days, 30 nights. He called me an anti-Semite while he was arm in arm with screwy Louis Farrakhan and Al Slim Shady Sharkin, anti-Semites. You look at the definition, anti-Semitism, you see two pictures. You see Farrakhan, you see Sharkin. Hey, Eric Adams, stop the nonsense. You invited these illegals here. It's your mess, and now we got to pay for it. And now you're blaming Ed Day and Rothman. And that schmuck, that punch, Steve Newhouse in Orange County in Newburgh, say, well, they told me they were going to send any illegals. What a pendejo you are, you idiot. Of course he was going to send the illegals. Hey, look, you set this up. You invited him. Get together with Cardinal Dolan. Let Dolan house him in the rectory, in the churches, in the empty schools. You started this invasion, and now you don't know how to stop it. You, Eric Adams, old disgraziata, Ashanda. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Chuckin', got my chips cashed in. Keep trucking, like the do dog man together. More or less in line, just keep Oh, what a great tune! Trucking by the Grateful Dead. Don't forget, Nicole Maliotak is coming up this hour. Academy Award-winning actor, huge Donald Trump supporter, John Voight. He'll be here at 8 o'clock. Gnomes Nuggets at 825. Rudy Giuliani, 840. Scott Bayo calling in at 9. Jet Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Namath calling in at 925. The Aaron Rodgers era will begin for the Jets. Monday night, September 11th. How about that? Week one against the Buffalo Bills. And then... The exclusive with Daniel Penny's attorney. I'm the only person to have him today, my friend Tom Kniff. But talking about great attorneys, they don't come greater than this guy. 
In fact, he's in Europe this morning. You know, my biggest fan, and I got a lot of fans, a lot of fans. I was very Trumpish, by the way. But my biggest fan <laughs> is a kid named Chris Tacopina, who's a great kid. Happens to be the son of Joseph Tacopina. But Joseph, his daughter Morgan, lovely, lovely young girl, she just gave birth to Joseph's first grandchild. Not making this up, folks. Yes, he's a grandfather. Theo Joseph. And I'll uh, be in London, in London, to uh, celebrate the birth of his new grandchild. Here he is, the great defense attorney, my friend of 46 years, and a Donald Trump babe as well, Joseph Takapina. Good morning. <laughs> How are you, brother? That's uh, quite an intro, and you've got quite a lineup today, huh? And yesterday, too. Boy, said every day. Every day. Uh, it's, the place, it's the place to be. Well, thank you. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. And you've been uh, such a major part of this shows success because you're involved in so many of the big news stories. But it's been a crazy week for you. Does it feel like that verdict for E. Jean Carroll was three days ago? For me, it feels like three months ago. Yeah, no, exactly. That was like my last trial or five trials ago. I mean, it was it was <laughs> unbelievable at that how quickly days uh, evaporate, especially after a trial. It's always the same thing. You know, you're you're going literally 20 hours a day, Sid. I mean, it's no joke. We're in that office till 4 in the morning, you know, and, and, and then you, you get through the trial, and then there's like this, woof, the, the air is let out of the tires, um, the adrenaline's gone, and it's, uh, it's a strange feeling, I'll tell you. So what have you been doing uh, now? Because we heard, of course, after they came back with that nonsense sex abuse charge, and I'll say it, she's a liar, E. Jean Carroll. I do tend to side with women most of the time. I really do. She's a liar. She can't tell you the day and the year she got raped. Give me a break. So now... She didn't um, get raped. Remember, she didn't get raped. The correct. found unanimously that she... This was a rape case. Right. I mean, her first... Andrew, Andrew Fontaine said it best yesterday. Her first words out of the box when she was a witness to this jury was, Donald Trump raped me. A week later, the jury said unanimously, no, no, he didn't. Yeah. So, and then you can then you get morons like this uh, Tony Lickman, who's a moron, the guy that uh, represented Pablo Escobar, saying, "Well, you know, he still uh, with his fingers did something and it was sexual abuse." No one ever said that. By the way, any no, type no, of penetration, no, no. any yeah. type of penetration is rape, including fingers. You know, sexual abuse could be somebody walks by and slaps you on the butt, even if he was there, no. which he was never there. <laughs> What it is is the Access Hollywood tape, really. It's it's what he's already, you know, said at times. I mean, and, and it, he was elected president with all that, right? And and so this will not – and by the way, that's an Access Hollywood tape that never should have been part of this trial. That's an issue for appeal. It's, it's a joke that that was led into this case. I mean, it's the most overwhelmingly prejudicial, would not be allowed by law in, in most courtrooms. But let me tell you, it's, it's not laying a glove on him, right? It's not laying a glove on him. His numbers have gone up. This hasn't scratched him because, you know, he's had these these scandals before. Um, and, you know, he's he's said they're not true. People believe what they want to believe. But these scandals are not kneecapping scandals. These aren't the things that are going to end his political career. As a matter of fact, his poll numbers have gone up. What would have ended his political career or would have been difficult to overcome was the word rapist attached to his name. That would have definitely been something that would have been troublesome, right? You can imagine the next day's newspapers, oh. you know, New York Times and Washington Post, rapist, and and that they don't have anymore. And that's all they were playing for. If they're telling you otherwise now, it's just because they want to try and, you know, obviously make the best out of a, a situation that didn't quite go the way they wanted it to go. 
Right. That, that's exactly what happened. But uh, look, the president and you, you guys are both winners, and you both wanted a completely clean slate, so it wasn't long yeah, after. No doubt. Right. No so, doubt. so we talked about appealing right after. I've had conversations with Dershowitz and others. Will Takapina appeal himself? Will he farm somebody out? Where are we in the appeal process? Well, we filed a notice of appeal yesterday. I mean, we're moving quickly on this. Um, I agree with Alan. We'll have someone, obviously, inside to consult on the appeal. And, you know, I'd love to see if he'd be interested. I know he said he wasn't, but I'm going to chat with him. Um, but, you know, of course, you always do that. You always have someone, you know, a fresh set of eyes to look at the record. But the appellate issues are very clear. It has nothing to do with anything other than the rulings by the court. Um, letting in the excess Hollywood tape, which was ridiculous by all standards. Um, not allowing the DNA from the dress that we offered to give Donald Trump's DNA to test. You know, the case was only filed in November, um, but the judge said that period had closed already. Um, that would have proven his DNA was not on the dress, the dress that she had saved for 27 years and told the world his DNA was on the dress. It was not. Um, you know, the anonymous jury issue, Sid, I mean, that's a crazy issue. You know, it would be malpractice if I, as an attorney, had actually picked a jury and not done any research on the jurors. It would it's literally could be considered malpractice, ineffective assistance of counsel. And and here, I didn't have the opportunity. We didn't have the opportunity because not only was the jury anonymous, and that happens sometimes, like in mafia cases, cartel cases, sometimes the jury's anonymous, and that's fine. Um, but, but, but the lawyers get the names. So the lawyers could do their background to make sure you have no one on there who, I don't know, two years ago wrote on social media, Donald Trump is an animal or Donald Trump should die or whatever. I mean, we, we, had no, we were looking at nine blank faces. I think that's another big issue. There are so many issues, but those are, those are the yeah. ones that jump off the top. You've got like seven or eight legitimate issues to appeal this. You know, I don't know, uh, and again, you're in London celebrating the birth of your grandchild. You've got your own cases, a million of them, and, of course, a couple of very high-profile cases. I'm not sure how much attention you're paying to the Daniel Penny story, but it did come down, manslaughter too. Uh, Tom Knipp is a good friend of mine. I know you know him as well. And uh, he's going to have uh, his client in court today. I, for one, was happy it was manslaughter, too, not murder. I didn't think for one second they weren't going to charge this guy with something, not in this city, without Sharpton yelling every day. What are your thoughts on uh, on the Daniel Penny revelations? Listen, from what I've seen, from what I've seen, I can make an argument, a strong argument. He should not have been charged, let alone charged with manslaughter. I don't think, you know, murder was never happening. See, murder is a premeditated act where this guy set out to murder this guy. That's not what happened here. He reacted to a situation. But, you know, I've, I've read witnesses' statements, and witnesses' statements are pretty pretty helpful for, for um, Penny. I mean, you have a guy coming on the train, said, I don't care, I'll take a bullet, I'll go to jail because I'm going to kill people on this train. I'm going to kill people. And he's yelling like a madman. And, and people were horrified at you. I mean, how much more in this city do we have to take when it comes to quality of life crimes and, 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 and crimes of violence? Well, you're right. So, so let me ask you this. Um, let me ask you this. Day. Yeah, because Judge Weinberger said the same thing uh, with me yesterday. You're saying shouldn't have been charged in the first place. I, I knew there would be a charge because of the rioting and all the nonsense going on. Do you think that's all this was, basically a dog and pony show? They came because of they don't want more riots, more people, and they'll charge the guy. And ultimately, kids can get him off. Yeah, let me ask you a question. This is not a question I enjoy asking, but it's one that I think is fair game, and we have to, as a society, as a city, really contemplate it. Had had Mr. Penny been um, black, right? Had uh, the other individual, uh, I think I forget his name, Neely, 
been white and he was on the train going crazy and threatening to kill people on the train and looked like a violent and had a violent past obviously and, and had mental issues look we need to do better taking care of our, our people and, and mentally ill people that's a separate topic we're talking about this case had the, the skin clothes been reversed yeah do you think there would have been the outcry oh no this is yeah, this, really, this is absolutely white this is absolutely white man kills a black man racist that's exactly what this is and maybe that's why they had to charge him with something just to quell uh, so our streets aren't burned down every night so they can say listen we charged him Kniff's going to get him off but you're exactly right that's all this is is black versus white yeah, but it's not just charged with something. It's not like a traffic ticket or a, a yeah. misdemeanor assault. I mean, this is this is manslaughter. He's facing you know double digit jail time here um, if convicted. Yeah, and but this, but this is this is manslaughter too. Give us a difference between man one and man two. It's the degree of recklessness, wanton disregard for another life. I mean, um, but but according to the, the statutes that I read, um, he's facing up to fifteen years if convicted. Of this, I mean, now that doesn't mean he'll get 15 years, but you know, again, these judges are elected, right? Put some pressure on the courts, protest, protest, and and see what happens. I mean, look, from all accounts, this guy did this. I'm, I'm talking about the defendant, Mr. Penny, Penny. Didn't instigate anything. Didn't stand up to the guy and say, "Hey, you better be quiet." Didn't do anything except when it looked like it was getting out of control, he just grabbed him from behind. But you know what's funny? Um, you say but, you say because Danielle asked me this last night. Because I said the same thing when it looked like it was getting out of control. And she said, well, did Neely actually grab somebody? Did Neely at any point actually get physical? She seems to think that's a very important question because looking like it was getting out of control is a lot different than Jordan Neely actually made his way towards somebody or physically grabbed somebody. Is that not a fair question? He was th- One thing's a fact, and you can see these videos, he was threatening passengers. He said he was going to kill uh, an MFR. Okay, he right. said he was going to kill someone. He was threatening passengers, um, and he said he didn't care. You know, you cross that threshold when you do that. Yeah. You don't, you know, fire in a crowded movie in a crowded train. <laughs> right, right. Go right. to people's face and say, right. "I'm going to kill you. Right. I'm going to kill you." Yeah. You know, and 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 yeah. it just you don't do it. Um, I think there's consequences. And I think once he, and obviously he had mental problems and, um, you know, again, sorry for that, but he did have more than four year rest, right? Yep. And, and he was a violent guy. He's a bad guy. Look, I know his mother was murdered when he was 14 years old. He was a bad guy. I've said time and time again, and I mean it, Daniel Penny's a hero. That's the word I'm using. Hero. I wish more New Yorkers did what Daniel Penny did. So in the final 30 seconds here, Joe Takapina, I know you love Tom Knipp. You know him well. He's a great guy. But if you, if you were Mr. Uh, Penny's lawyer in this, then nothing would go down, right? Nothing. Thrown out. Done. Well, nothing would go down. Ultimately, I mean, whether, you know, know, the Manhattan DA's office uh, has this tension for charging people, um, you know, based on political pressures. I don't know if you heard about that. I heard recently (laughs) <laughs> the guy who used to be the president of the United States, I think they did something like that. So, but nothing will go down ultimately. I mean, look, this guy should be thanked, and I think some witnesses did thank him. Um, and and I think he's going to be okay. And Tom's a good lawyer, and I think it's going to be be all fine. And and you know, look, I'm I'm hoping because otherwise, if this if if he goes to jail, yeah, then basically what you're saying to people is, <laughs> as long as it's not killing me, this guy. Let him go kill somebody else on the train. Right. I'm just staying out of the way. Right. And and we really, we really sort of fall apart as a society. I mean, self defense is defending oneself or other or another, and and this is really where it falls into. 
All right. Joe, as always, an amazing, amazing conversation. Congratulations to you and Morgan on uh, little Theo. And I uh, love your son, Chris. That's my man right there. Have a good time in Europe. I'll see you when you get back. Keep calling. Keep talking. I love you. Love you, too, Sid. Thanks, brother. My man, Joseph Takapina. Mazel tov, little Theo. Little Theo Joseph, his grandson. And uh, so good calling us live from Europe this morning. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Steve Winwood here. Today is Steve Winwood's birthday. Is that right, Lewis? It is his birthday, but don't ask me his age yet. Hang on. Somewhere in the 70s, I'm sure. Uh, I love yeah, Steve Winwood. I think he's a little older than me. Older than you, yes. <laughs> yeah. Steve Winwood. So let's spend a uh, couple of minutes here with Congresswoman Nicole Maliotak. It's been a great one already. Arthur Idala, Curtis Sliwa, Joseph Takapina. Still a come. Academy Award-winning actor, big Trump supporter John Boyd. We'll talk to Rudy Giuliani. We will talk to actor Scott Baio, former Jet great Joe Namath, and then the exclusive with Daniel Penny's attorney, Tom Kniff, coming up at 940. Nicole, good morning. How are you? Good morning. With what a lineup. I'm surprised you could even squeeze me in this morning. Thanks a lot, Sid. Oh, you always get in. You're a, you're a big-time star in this city, and we respect and love the work that you do, and I love you personally, so thank you for that. But uh, Eric Adams at it again, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the – Governor of Texas, Abbott, he was a racist. Now, Ed Day's a racist. And I told him right here on this show two weeks ago, stop doing that. Uh, But uh, he continues to do it. He also suspended right to shelter, even modified that just a little bit. What are your thoughts on the mayor suspending the right to shelter? Well, this is something that uh, Borough President Vito Pacella and I on Staten Island have been pushing for because it made absolutely no sense that uh, the mayor would misinterpret. He was misinterpreting the right to shelter decree. Uh, This was meant for homeless New Yorkers. It was not meant for citizens of other countries. And by the mayor's logic, if all 5 million uh, individuals who have entered our country uh, illegally have uh, come to New York City, they would be entitled to free housing. If 8 billion people on the planet came to New York City, they would be entitled to free housing. So uh, this was long overdue. It's something that I've been calling for for about a year. The only issue, though, is that it's not that he's, uh, you know, refusing to bring people into New York City. He's still going to uh, put them in, you know, he's still police academies or parks or uh, old prisons now is a new proposal. So, so what he should really be doing is joining our calls to secure this border. Uh, the, the ICE facility in New York City is so backed up, by the way. Uh, the court, the courthouse in downtown Manhattan, they can't take any more appointments until the, the next decade. For the next decade, so what, I don't understand the logic of what the president is doing here. Uh, it is, it is completely. You mean the mayor? Not, oh, the president. Yes, so the Biden. President yes, and the mayor, yes, yeah. uh, both, both of them. But, but, but really, what the mayor should be doing at this point is either suing the president to secure the border to stop this madness into New York, or he should be simply. Uh, you know, working with us, trying to get Chuck Schumer, our, you know, his his U.S. senator who runs the floor of the Senate to come up with a solution. We passed our border security bill yesterday. And guess what? It does exactly what Customs and Border Patrol agents say they need to do the job. It gives them technology. It gives them more people. It gives them more resources. 
it, it reinstates the Trump era policies that were working, that were stemming the flow. When I went to the border, that's what Customs and Border Protection, that's what they're saying they need to do the job. And so you have a bunch of members of Congress from the Democrat side who think they know better than those agents, um, and they refuse to work with us to pass this legislation. So that that's, you know, it, it's sad, but, you know, it's not just the unsustainable flow of these individuals. It is human trafficking. It is sex trafficking. It is children being abused, children being raped on this journey, women being raped and abused. It is, it is the fentanyl that is streaming over. It is the fact that the drug cartels are now making $13 billion a year profit, a billion dollars a month over, over a billion dollars a month profiting from this human trafficking and this drug trafficking. And you read uh, last week the Drug Enforcement Agency, they, they basically came out and said that on the, for the last year, they've arrested over 3,000 people that were from the drug cartels who were building operations here in the United States. That is why we're seeing Americans dying at record levels from fentanyl in New York City, the most drug overdoses in at least the two decades. That's really when they started recording this stuff. And, 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 and they've allowed this to happen. They've allowed it to happen. They've enabled the cartels to prey on migrants and to prey on American citizens. You know, you mentioned the mayor and the president. You really shouldn't stop there. You have to go to HHS uh, security, the guy in charge, Liz Mayorkas. I think he's the biggest liar of all. And, you know, a month ago he said the border is secure. Now he's saying it's not. Then he says Title 42 doesn't really work. And wait to see what happens now with Title 8. Then he got all tough yesterday, talked about repercussions for people that are coming across the border illegally. I mean, there is not a guy, maybe in my lifetime, 56 years, that changes his story and lies more than Mayorkas. How do we get rid of that guy? Well, I'm all for impeaching and removing him, uh, and there are more and more members within our Republican conference who are advocating for that. And remember, he's in charge of the Department of Homeland Security. That was an organization that was established after September 11th, and the policies they have in place now make us vulnerable for another terrorist attack, and that is really my, my greatest concern and my biggest fear is because, because we've already encountered, right, um, 80 this year alone, this fiscal year alone, 95 the last year, uh, we're people who are on the FBI terror watch list. And with this massive flow, they can't possibly stop everyone or track everyone. Uh, and now that they're, they're deciding they're going to just let people come in without, some, without tracking uh, and some vetting, that, that's, a, that's a real problem. And, and it, this president is truly – uh, putting our country at risk. Because remember, it, it, Mayorkas is incompetent, and he's ridiculous. He's not doing his job. But the president, at the end of the day, is who he works yeah. for. So yeah. the president's not firing him, or maybe he's, he's actually mandating these policies and that Mayorkas follow them. So they're, they're all responsible, um, but Republicans have solutions. We put them forward. We passed them yesterday. And by the way, you see the Senate with Chuck Schumer doing nothing. They have not passed anything on border security or to address you know, the issues that we're seeing. They did nothing on energy independence so far to make us less reliant on foreign entities and, and provide affordable and reliable energy uh, for, for consumers. Uh, and, and they've done nothing on the debt limit, right? They've done absolutely nothing on any of these issues that are so critical right now in the United States. You know, you mentioned debt limit. Uh, one of the things I think that shocked folks in the CNN town hall with President Trump, who was great with me yesterday, but he said – Flat out to uh, Caitlin Collins, I would tell the Republicans 
to default. She was like, whoa, whoa, whoa default. Well, the world's going to come to an end. He's like, it's going to happen anyway. Trust me, when I win in 2024, they're going to do the same thing to me. So unless Republicans really get the Democrats to cave, I want $5 million, I want $10 million, whatever it is, unless they get the Democrats to really cave, Donald Trump suggested, recommended, just default. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think defaulting is the right move, but I do believe what we put forward is a, a great package that really addresses the issue. So let's yeah, see. But, but, but if you put this but great package. We don't know what we're going to get. Yeah, but, if they, but, if they give, what, but if they yeah. give you nothing, even though you put together a great package, if they don't give it to you, Trump says, well, don't just don't just say it's okay. He's saying, he's, look, he's saying default is the very last we'll thing you should do. We will not do a clean debt limit increase. That that I know. The Republicans are standing firm that they will not just do the clean debt limit increase that the president and the Senate have been pushing for. And let me let me say one more thing. They actually are the ones who created this problem. Over the last two years, they've increased spending $10 trillion when they had full control. They knew Republicans were coming in in January, and despite that, they jammed through another $1.2 trillion package and did not raise the, the debt limit, which they knew you know, President Biden knew this was going to happen because Secretary Yellen told me so in a hearing. He was well aware that we were reaching the debt limit, chose to jam through another $1.2 trillion and didn't increase the debt limit to pay for it. So now they want to dump it on our lap, and we're saying the only way we're going to do this is if we get some reforms here to put us uh, – return some fiscal sanity in this country. We want to, we want to cut spending. We want to cap spending. We want to go back to uh, pre-COVID level spending. We want to stop these these tax credits for, for you know EVs and stuff that actually will end up in China. A lot of it, uh, Chinese companies actually eligible for these tax credits. Could you imagine that? Um, <laughs> it means while they're crushing American energy, they want to give tax credits to communist China. Um, and and then aside from that. Uh, you know, claws back unspent COVID money. It does a, 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 it implements a work work requirements for public benefits, which is important. Addresses our labor shortage. It helps us also reduce people on 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 uh, public benefits. And remember, only if you're under age, under 55, if you don't have children and you are able to work, uh, you should be able to contribute in our society. What a great conversation! So you asked Nicole, how could I squeeze you in? And now, if you listen to the last 10 minutes, it's obvious why you were great. So thank you again for hopping on this morning. Thank you for being the voice of reason, one of our true soldiers in the House and uh, Congress. And uh, we love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. There she is, Nicole Maliotakis, pride of Brooklyn and Staten Island. About two hours in. It's a big two hours, wouldn't you say? I would. Arthur Idala, Curtis Sliwa, Joseph Takapina. Nicole Maleotakis, still a cop, right after news with no Academy Award-winning actor and huge Trump supporter John Boyd. He's coming up at 8.05. Gnomes Nuggets, 8.25. Rudy Giuliani, hopefully at 8.40. You never know with Rudy. He may call in at 12. Don't know. Maybe Scott Bayo at 9. 9.25. Hall of Fame New York Jet quarterback Joe Namath on the Aaron Rodgers era. And coming up at 9.40, a Sid Rosenberg exclusive Daniel Penny's attorney, Tom Kniff, will join me right here. Only halfway through the Friday edition of New York's favorite talk show. That's me, that's us, sitting friends in the morning. Talk Radio 
77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. My fellow Americans, we've been through the worst nightmare these last few years. We've lost thousands of loved ones due to COVID and the unrighteousness of gun violence due to unfit mentality. Now we must make this war end and bring justice to all, for this is our country of liberty. This is our country that dreams are made of. It has been knocked down with lies, deceit, and fear. But my friends, now is our chance to change this, and we must for our children and our grandchildren. Let us now take back our liberty, our justice, our dreams. The Biden administration is a false security for our nation. It's a joke. It's a disgrace. And now we have the greatest chance to make it great again. We must all vote in 2024 for the only president who can take this country and strip away the dirt, the grime, the lies, and make this country what it was meant to be, the greatest country, land of the free, where opportunities were great and we, the people, must see this lie that they have brought upon President Trump. I guess deliverance, I should have gotten it right away. The uh, That little speech you heard there was from Academy Award-winning actor John Voight. And I saw that, believe it or not, on Donald Trump's social media, Truth Social. In fact, it was the last post I saw, John Voight on Truth Social. I'm a huge John Voight guy, not because he likes Trump, and of course, so do I. Trump was on this show just yesterday. But so many of his movies, dating all the way back to 1978 when he won the Academy Award for the movie Coming Home. Jane Fonda was in that. Midnight Cowboy, Runaway Train, The Champ. Wake up, Champ! Wake up, Champ! Deliverance did a great job as Howard Cosell in the movie Ali. And most recently, I loved his work as Liv Schreiber's father in Ray Donovan. Most importantly, above and beyond... Him being a tremendous actor. I know Sean Hattie's going to get mad at me, but he's a great American. Is he there? Is he ready to go? So with that said, here he is, Academy Award winning actor, the great John Voigt. John, good morning, pal. How are you? I'm, I'm great, Sid. Thank you very much. Yeah, that, that was very nice to hear all of that. <laughs> I just went down memory lane with you. Well, you know... It, when you listen to all that, John, and you're, you're a pretty humble guy, and as I said, a great American, but a humble guy. But when you hear 
some of those movie titles and winning an Academy Award. And you ever pinch yourself and go, holy, I really did all that? Or is it just kind of like business as usual for you? Well, I mean, right now as I'm speaking to you, I'm I'm working on a film, and I'm uh, we're going to talk about one of the recent films on Paramount Plus, and uh, so I'm focused in that direction. And I hear this stuff, and it's uh, it's like a relative, you know what I mean? It's it's like there's a relative who's getting all that attention or something like that. I know I went through that. I remember all those nice things, and and uh, and I've been very fortunate and had a great adventure so far yeah you have and i'll tell you i want to get to mercy in a second but i go to lots of nick games john you know and um one of my favorite yep. pictures i took at the nick game about three weeks ago was uh, me and liv schreiber he was sitting in the front row you know and um i got to meet him uh-huh. and, and ray donovan and then you know i didn't know much about him john to be honest and then like a couple of days after we took a picture together i saw him on msnbc and I go, oh, my God, what, what is Liv doing? And I came to find that he's a real liberal. Now, Scott Baio was going to join me at 9 o'clock. He worked with Henry Winkler, who's also <laughs> a raging liberal. So I guess when you guys are on a movie set or a TV set, that stuff doesn't matter, huh? Well, I don't talk much about politics when I do my work. Uh, it, it doesn't help to uh, create, you know, little barriers as you're working. Uh, but uh, and if anybody ever asks me about something, I, I certainly will. If somebody's sincere, I'd love to get into discussions, uh, you know, of a, a political nature. But but I would wait for anybody else to to, to start that stuff. That's uh, fair, smart. That's smart because I know they in Hollywood they just they x you out. But look, uh, as I told you, I just played that piece. It was on Donald Trump's social media. Just you know, the president was on with me here yesterday. It was a great piece. You talked about life and liberty and freedom. You said the right thing, which is the Biden administration is a joke, a disaster. It's laughable. So I would imagine, John, we'll get to your movie here in a second, that uh, you want this one bad. You know that Donald Trump actually admitted to me on this show yesterday, John, that he wants to win in 2024 more than the other two elections? Well, I, uh, well, certainly that's the one he's focused on now, and it's amazing how he's taking on so much, isn't it? I mean, he, he's really uh, being uh, offering the alternatives to the problems that we're facing. Uh, he's he's showing you what needs to be done on a daily basis. He's answering the answering the real problems that we face now. So he's really, to to me, he hasn't stopped being in office in some way. You know, he's, he's still focused on the American people. And that's the, the great thing about Donald Trump to me is that he, even our friendship, and he knows I'm, you know, 100% for him and, and that I'm, uh, I've got his back if, if, I, if I'm called upon. He, his focus is not on that. His focus is on the American people and giving them an opportunity to have this uh, great legacy continue. Anyway. That's well said. No, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, you're right. Academy Award winning actor John Voigt. Now, right before Mercy here, John, I got to tell you, growing up as a kid, I had one hero. I mean, I had a lot of heroes. I mean, I'm a big sports guy, and, you know, I love Lawrence Taylor and Bill Sims and Tom Seaver and all those sports guys. But the real hero right. of mine was Howard Cosell. And I have to tell you, in the movie Ali... <laughs> You did such a great Howard Cosell. Were you a big Cosell fan your whole life? Well, I, 
I, I, I did meet Howard at one point. Uh, he interviewed me, and I found out some, many things about him. He was very, it was a very personal interview. In some way, he was asking me certain questions because I came from a Catholic background, a Catholic high school. And, uh, and uh, apparently he had a run-in with Catholic boys when he was a young kid, and it, it still stung him to the time I was talking with well, him. Well, he was Jewish. But, uh, yes, he was a Jewish fellow. And uh, and he was a but he was really a brilliant guy, uh, and uh, his ascendance to this position was very fortuitous for Muhammad Ali, of course. And those two guys were so entertaining and so uh, joyful in some way. Uh, these these two great icons, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I really liked Howard. I liked him when I met him, and I liked uh, you know. The background, the first book he wrote, I thought it was a very important book. And then, he, you know, he had his problems like other people. He had bouts with alcoholism and stuff like that. But uh, but he was a terrific guy. He was a brilliant guy, too. And then, uh, you know, you talk about him and Ali, and those were some of the greatest interviews ever, as you know, John Boyd. And yeah. that gets me to the champ because uh, to this day, there's three movies where I cry every time I see it. doesn't matter how many times. Brian's song, I still cry. Terms of endearment, I oh, still yeah, cry. Sure. And when Ricky Schroeder, a young Ricky Schroeder, is screaming, wake up, champ, wake up, champ, John Voigt, I still cry. How unbelievable yeah. was it making that movie? Well, it was, it was exciting, uh, Sid. It, uh, I, I, I loved the first movie, you know, the one that was based on. <coughs> and uh, uh, Waz Beery, uh, yes. Jackie Cooper, I think it was. Uh, is, I don't know if that, that was the trailer, but anyway, they did a wonderful job, and it was a wonderful, touching movie then. And then they came to me to, to see about this one, and Franco Zeffirelli was going to direct it, who was a uh, you know wonderful director, and yep. uh, and I was very fortunate to get it. And the, the uh, so I enjoyed it very much. I enjoy uh, physical stuff, you know. I enjoyed learning boxing, and I uh, enjoyed. Uh, the work with the young Ricky Schroeder. Yeah, you look great. I mean, you look like you really kick somebody's ass in real life, John, to be honest. Uh, this new movie, Mercy, which comes out in theaters May the 12th, an ex-military doctor finds herself in a deadly battle for survival when the Irish mafia seizes control of the hospital at which she works. When her son is taken hostage, she's forced to rely upon her battle-hardened past and lethal skills after realizing there's no one left to save the day. But her, oh my God! This sounds like a real thriller. Really exciting. Yes, it is, and it's it's a really good movie. People love this movie when they see it, and uh, and I've got the opportunity to work with Jonathan Reese Myers, who is a is a very special talent. I, I, anyone across the world, I'm working right now with some people from uh, a fellow from New Zealand, brilliant actor, and everyone knows Jonathan Reese Myers. He's a special talent. And the the girl who's uh, taking this role, the, the central role in this piece, as well, is um, is a, a very special actress, uh, who uh, uh, Leah Gibson. And uh, so oh, yeah. we're introducing somebody, and then we're enjoying someone who we we really love, Jonathan Reese Myers, at his you know, at his brilliant best. It's wonderful, you know. It's wonderful working with him. What is, um, can you give away what your role is in the film? Uh, yeah, my role is I'm the father of Jonathan Reese Myers, and I'm the head of this 
this uh, Irish mob, and uh, I'm the, uh, you know, the, the uh, what is it called? I, I guess you know, just the, uh, I'm the heavy. <laughs> you're the heavy. Yeah, you're you're the muscle. You're the muscle. So does that require well, you, John? Really it's, it's a battle. Yeah. It's a it's a battle between a father and son. Is what yeah. it really is. It's a it's a um, it has it has great depth to it and and, and power. So, and and Jonathan is magnificent. He's a great actor. And yeah. I'm not bad either. Well, you're pretty good, John. Yeah, you're is. okay. You're okay. So he did this is. require you? Did you have to come to New York and like sit down with the Westies and figure out how really the Irish mob works? <laughs> you know something? I I'm I'm scared of him. I'm scared of any mob. <laughs> <laughs> but I've really put myself in danger many times in my life with the roles that I've portrayed. So it wasn't like unfamiliar territory. But I, I love playing the, the part. The part was a very strong part. So, uh, but it, it became about family, actually. It be, it's about family. You know what's funny, like, John? Like, you, the Godfather. Yeah, like but, the Godfather was about family. Right, yeah. the Godfather. And also Sopranos. I always say all that mob stuff, John, that was peripheral stuff to keep the bloodthirsty fans happy. But the show was really about Anthony and his family and going to a therapist. All yeah. these great movies, these mob movies, when you really break it down, they're more about family than mob violence, you know? I think that's true. That's the good ones, yeah. The best ones, yes. I, I think you're, you're right. Well, thank you, John. Mercy is the movie. It comes out in theaters on May the 12th, uh, digital May the 19th. On demand, June the 2nd. Go see it. This was an honor and a thrill. I'm a huge, huge fan. All of America really is. Well, being on your show, I'm telling you, you're terrific. You've, you've got it. You're, you're, the, you're a showman, and I, was, I appreciated being, you know, just being with you on this show. You're wow. fantastic. Wow. Coming from you, I'm going to go home now. Is that okay, John? <laughs> Thank you. God bless you, John Boyd. You're a great actor, a great American. I love you. Thank you so much. Love you, too, Sid. Take God care. Bless. There he is, John Boyd. Jeez. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the heck am I? What the heck? <laughs> and he wasn't kidding. He was very sincere. You can tell, right, Louis? This is crazy. <laughs> it oh, is crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. John Boyd now. Yeah. Okay, Curtis. Hope Curtis heard that one. <laughs> I mean, we're all going to have to take numbers to get into this room. That was amazing. John Boyd, Academy Award winning actor. A lot more to come. Gnomes Nuggets is coming up. He's got a special Mother's Day surprise, I believe. Rudy Giuliani, Scott Baio just texted me. He'll join us live from California at 9. Hall of Fame Jet quarterback, the Aaron Rodgers era about to begin. Joe Namath coming up at 925. That's a huge guess. And then another big one, an exclusive the attorney for Daniel Penny only doing this show. Tom Kniff set the call in at 940. Keep it right here, folks. The body edition of the Sid Rosenberg Show.
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. It's a wild moment. Noam said it. Louis said it. Joseph Babu checks in, the greatest men's designer ever, and a wonderful soul. And uh, Jojo Abu says, what a coup, a fabulous interview. One of his best movies was The Odessa File, a great Nazi spy thriller. Uh, that that was, was a great movie. That was a crazy movie. Yeah, yes. that was a great movie. Odessa File. Uh, nice job there by uh, Joseph Abu. He knows his stuff. My neighbor Sal checks in. John Boyd said it best. Who's the man? You're the man. And Art Sears, the guy that actually books all of our celebrity guests and political guests and has a lot to do with uh, our guest list, he sent me a text and it read, you really are the best. John Voigt just love you. And now John's on some other crappy radio show. What happens is Art puts these people on like, you know, seven shows, eight shows, and they come on here. It's like going on Howard. You know, they love it. It's great. And then they got some putts. Who, you know, knows nothing about radio. Right. No, right. He knows Ray Donovan, and that's it. Right. <laughs> you were in Ray Donovan. I love that show. Hey, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. What? Deliver what? See, that's one of the issues with radio is that, and I mean this sincerely, the art of interviewing is basically gone. A lot of guys that do interviews, and I've worked with a bunch of them, their questions are way too long, two minutes, three minutes, and they ask the question, and then they answer the question, in their own question. And then what they don't do is they have a bunch of things they want to get to so they don't listen. When you listen, and Stern does this better than anybody, you can follow up. And then it's no longer an interview. People have said to me over the years, man, you do great interviews. I go, no, I don't. I don't do interviews. I have conversations. Completely different. There's no agenda. I'm not looking to get a piece of information I don't do interviews. I have conversations. And that's one of the keys to being a great talk show host. But you guys won't listen, and you'll do it your way, and you'll be one of the millions and millions of mediocre broadcasters that are working today that don't make as much money or nearly get the ratings that I get. So don't listen to me. What do I know? 
the preceding was a reality check brought to you by Sidney Arthur Rosenberg. For further details on how your career is going down the drain, please tune in to SidRosenberg.com, and he will have more information that will make your life feel as meaningless as the sky is blue. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lewis. Here is a... That was brilliant. <laughs> Gnomes Nuggets. What's going on, Nomi Layden? It's time to play the brand new 77 WABC game show, How Well Do You Know Your Mama? Oh, God. Now here's your host, the very bald, Noam Layden. Oh, thank you very much, Alex Barnard. <laughs> and welcome into How Well Do You Know Your Mama. Today's contestants... Our super producer, Justin Alec, right. will be competing news to me. against Sidney Rosenberg to see how much they know about their mothers. This is news to me, too, mind you. The judges went and spoke very privately with both of your mothers. Right. We got as much trivia as we possibly oh, well, can. Hold on a second. Yeah. Judges. Somebody called my mother? Uh, the judges here called your mother <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> the answers have been under lock and key over the last 24 hours because we know both of you would want to cheat to see if you could win. And uh, there are big prizes on the line. Tell yeah. them, Johnny, what they could win. The Charming Dining Room Group. Virginia Colony by Baxter. <laughs> furniture is featured here with a charming oval table and four chairs. A lighted hutch with two glass shelves and kind of base on a server. And for fine family entertainment, this new jukebox. The prestige jukebox, a magnificent phonograph, features waterproof cabinet, compact selective buttons, and multiple coin mechanism with infrared coin detector. The prestige. Yeah, all that on the line <laughs> as we play How Well Do You Know Your Mama. So, Lou, yeah. if you could keep track of the score, all that right, would be got awesome. You. Got you, know. Each are specific questions you have to answer. Who would like to go first? Justin, you go for it. Oh, okay. okay, so Justin, your mother is Adina. She yeah. has very little confidence in you, by the way. Oh, no, it's so, not good. Not good. So we're going to start off very easy because she wasn't sure you could even ask the mo- answer the most easy questions. When is your mother Adina's birthday? August third. Well, he, he used to not. I think now he does, and it's August third. All but right. He may not know that I was born in 1965. August third, 1965. All right, a right answer <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah. For Justin, one nothing, Justin. Are you ready, uh, Sydney, for your first question? I am ready, sir. How did your mother Naomi meet your late father Harvey? Prison. <laughs> uh, she met my late father Harvey. Boy, I should know this. I think she showed up. Oh my God, she showed up. My dad played the saxophone, and she showed up. Someplace he was playing the saxophone, and they met there. Is that that? I think you might get credit for it. Here's her answer: to a place called the Concord Hotel, and and uh, Gross Singers Hotel, and so Harvey was in the band. He yeah. played saxophone and clarinet. He was a wonderful musician. I mean, and so that's where we met. And that's where they fell in love. Apparently. There you go. I got All it right. right. So and uh, it's tied. I was going to say in the, in the strip joint my mother worked in, but. Okay. Naomi gets mad when I mention that. So. All right. Here's how... <laughs> Sydney, that's not appropriate. <laughs> Sydney. Justin, here's how little confidence your mother, Adina, has in you. She okay. says, uh, ask him this question, what is my middle name? Uh, Stacy. You sure about that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's see here what Adina has to say. I, I think he knows my middle name. Uh, my middle name is Stacy. Thank and God. And it's spelled E-Y. <laughs> okay, so you know. get an answer Woo! for that. Oh, man. 
That All right. Cool. Why'd, you, so, why'd you do that? Why'd you, are you sure about that? Why'd you, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know, just to make sure. Uh, you're... Okay, just play the answer. No. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I must say that this is an awesome game. Oh, thank you. And a tremendous job out of Noam Layton. Thank you very much. Two yeah. days before Mother's Day. This is great. What about me? I'm two for two. This is yeah. like remarkable stuff. That's nice. You know your mom. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Jeez. The woman who gave birth right. to you. you know? So nice of you. <laughs> yeah. You're the questions gem. get a little tougher here, Sydney. <laughs> what a gift All right. it is. <laughs> What is Naomi's favorite food? Oh, this is good. This is very tough. My mom doesn't eat very much. My mom has been on a diet, I mean this, for 60 years. And God bless her, she's 88 and she still wears bikinis. Partly because she's in good shape and partly because she's insane. Um, (laughs) She wants to get back to the strip club life. That's what she's probably... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true. She needs work. Oh, My dad's not you know, bringing home the money anymore. Uh, <laughs> you can't believe what they're paying nowadays, Sam. Yeah. Look at she's, all these. She's, no, she's got an OnlyFans page. Yeah, no. oh. Trump's on it. Uh, whoa, all right. Uh, whoa. Yeah. Let me tell you, Naomi, those are the greatest pictures I've seen. <laughs> okay, okay. My mother's favorite food is fish. All right. Let's see what Naomi has to say. Well, I'm a very good cook. I cook good chicken. Jewish chicken soup, but I also make a delicious, delicious um, eggplant parmesan mm. or or any kind of parmesan. Yeah, I think that's the wrong answer. She went with Italian. No, I yeah. was wrong. Yes, no, no. she does. She makes eggplant parmesan, chicken parmesan, dill parmesan. She's a regular Italian. All right, I got that one wrong. All right, Justin, you've kind of skated with easy questions no. so far. They get a little harder. Yeah, what's here. your mother's name? Are you serious? <laughs> oh, please! Oh my God. <laughs> Why don't you ask Justin where her mother had sex with her father, his father for the first time? Well, it's funny. This is a part of this next question. Where did Adina meet your dad? Blind date. All right. Let's see if that's right. On a blind date. There you go. Oh, look at that. Spectacular. Your father's blind? <laughs> and, then, and then he proposed six months later like a weirdo. <laughs> I was like, dude, give me Your mother's cute, by the way, Adina. Okay. She's a very nice lady. Settle down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, there's two <laughs> questions left, uh, Sydney. Yeah. One only fans to a mother. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, Naomi's first job? This is unbelievable, the, the, the degree of difficulty in these questions. <laughs> My mother's first job was 79 years ago. <laughs> what are you talking about? If I had to take a guess, I'm going to go with she worked in a doctor's office, Dr. Inwood in Brooklyn. He was the first guy to uh, put a needle in my ass, oh. but not the last. Oh. Whoa! <laughs> As of last week. <laughs> Be quiet. I'm going to go with a Dr. Inwood. All right, let's see what Naomi had to say. This doctor that my dad was friendly with said, come work for me. And I went to work for this doctor. I was a very, very young girl. And I worked with him, and I became a wonderful nurse. I didn't get a degree. But I did hospital rounds six days a week with this man. It's a true story. My mother, anybody ever gets sick in my family? And my mother literally goes to the bedside. She's amazing when it comes to that stuff. So, hmm. yeah. All right. Uh, Justin, mm. where did uh, Adina, your mom, and your dad, where did they go on their honeymoon? Oh, wow. That's a good one. Um, the key motor in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Queens. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Pay by the hour. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, after they got married at a Chabad, a local Chabad. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, man, I have no idea. Uh, Hawaii. All right, let's see what Adina had to say. 
We went to Hawaii. Wow! This is rigged. This is so rigged. This is like the 2020 election. Did you hear what she said? She said you would never know that. Right. Subconsciously, I clearly knew it. Get my friend Trump back on the bone. This is rigged more than the election. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is, um, Sydney? what was your um, mom and dad's wedding anniversary date? I know that. It's coming up, actually. It's the same night I'm going to co-host... That great podcast with WFAN legend Joe Beningo. That's how you know it. At the Hackensack Brewery in New Jersey. (laughs) My parents got married a long time ago, I believe over 70 years ago, on May 19th. All right. I think that is correct. And here's her whole answer. And we dated. And then in those days, my friend, you didn't sleep with your boyfriend and you didn't live with your boyfriend. If you had a boyfriend, you got married. Sure you did. You don't believe that? Of course not. <laughs> My mother? Forget about it. Fifteen minutes, my father was in. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned too much about you today. That I've, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, all right, so if you get this question correct. Then uh, I have to go first. Because uh, if I get it correct, he gets it correct, he wins. Yeah. If I miss it, he automatically wins. Right. So doesn't right. it make sense? Well, the only well let Justin go. Go ahead, because Rudy's on the phone, right, too. So. Right, right. Okay. We got Rudy Giuliani, Scott Bayo, Joe Namath, and the attorney for Danielle Penny giving me an exclusive, Tom Kniff, all coming up. Hmm, all right. What was uh, your mom, Adina's very first job? Very first job. Oh, I don't know. Oh, a waitress. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I can tell it's Friday. <laughs> He's unhinged. Yeah, He's unhinged. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with the waitress. double down with that answer? I, I, yeah, a waitress. I don't know. Okay. I'll go with waitress. Here's what your mom, Adina, had to say. Okay. So he'll never know. <laughs> okay. I went right into my family business, which was a paper distributor. Oh. Oh. So we could end it there. Yeah. Uh, I do have. By the way, you're lucky that she wasn't related to Dennis Hoff and his family business. He owned eight brothels in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the job she had when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> that was her very first job. Yeah. Right, so I can tie so, it right here. Well, the, I could. I have this one piece of tape. I collected enormous amount of tape, by the way, from both your mothers. Yeah. That I can use down the road. Oh, uh, oh we got to do it again. Yes, yeah, so we'll do it again. Are and you blackmailing we'll, us? Uh, yeah, but okay. essentially, I want. I'm going to leave it as a tie because yeah. I think we can do another game show out of this. I want to do it. Okay. This was brilliant. But yeah, was by the way, yeah. I there's one. I just want to give you one. One small slice of tape that I got from Medina, who is... This is Medina. Yeah. By the way, I love talking to both your mothers. Adina, just because like That's she's creepy. contemporary. Yeah. And your mother, because it, it made me cry, actually. She's she, like very old. Like your mom, probably. She, was, she reminded me of my own mom. Yeah, yeah she talked about the Did holidays. Did you lose your the, mom? Yeah, in September. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, my so, God. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just this September? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank though. you. So when she talked about the holiday gatherings with your family, yeah. I was like, oh, that was my, all my, all that was my mom was all about that. So your mom, I asked you... Your mom asked you. Well, it was a little different. We had like cocaine and strippers, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we weren't sitting around watching Doctor Welby. You know, <laughs> we asked all the moms all these questions, and, and one of them was, "When did your son embarrass you most?" And I just love your mother's answer. She said it was, she's talking about your teenage years. I had to bleep out so much of this that you might not even be able to understand it. But here's Adina. I was most embarrassed by him. Sometimes he could be a real. T- when he was an adolescent, he could be a real t- with his friends. He acted all cocky and like that. Sometimes he was he could be a real. T- 
Oh my God! <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Ma, that was 13 Ma. seconds. Watch your mouth, Ma. Yeah. 13 oh. seconds and five beeps. She called me a D word like she three did. times. Yeah. And then she, she probably uh, she probably called me an A-hole like four times. She did. Yeah. She had to beep yeah. that out as well. That was great. Wow. Adina coming up big. Jesus. I used to think Bodita was the problem. No, 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 no. <laughs> that was worse than like a... Than a uh, Let me tell you something. Men's? Any mother that calls their son more than once a dick... That's a great mom right there. Yeah. I love her. No I, I was a dick, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you were. She, she was right. All right. That was fun stuff. Noam Layden, excellent job on this Mother's Day. And on a serious note, whether it is Naomi or Adina, any of you folks out there, have a uh, happy Mother's Day. My wife, Danielle, of course. Happy Mother's Day coming up on Sunday. We'll get to the great Rudy Giuliani here momentarily. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Standing on the corner, just me and Yoko Wano. We was waiting for Jerry to land. Come a man with a guitar in his hand, singing "Have a man of honor if you can." His name was David Field. We found that he was really sad. The folks told us go every day. Upon the corner, the truckers up the street, singing "How to the People." Arthur Idala, Curtis Sliwa, Joseph Takapina, Nicole Maliotakis, Academy Award-winning actor John Voight. That was a huge thrill for me. And I had no idea he loved me so much. No idea. And Noam was terrific. Still a come in the 9 o'clock hour. Big-time actor Scott Bale. He's leaving California. He'll be here. Former Jet Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Namath. Broadway Joe, good buddy of mine for 30 years. And Joe will talk about the new Aaron Rodgers era for the Jets, which starts off... 9-11, Monday night, 9-11, week one against the Buffalo Bills. And then a Sid Rosenberg exclusive on the first and the only one to get him. How do I know that? He told me so. Daniel Penny's attorney, Tom Kniff, will join me coming up at 940. But right now, the greatest politician, Pete King right there too, but the greatest politician in my lifetime. He is America's mayor. He's esteemed. He's a wonderful guy. I love him. Also does a great job, 3 p.m. every weekday right here on WABC. It's my dear friend Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, good Friday morning, buddy. How are you? I'm good, Sid. How are you? I'm doing great. I think I, is it, okay, no, I'm doing great. I'm sorry. I, uh, You know, Dr. Maria uh, Ryan came in a couple of days ago. She was here, Rudy, your, uh, your partner on Sundays on Uncover the Truth, and uh, she was talking specifically about Title 42 coming to an end. Now yep. it's already yep. now it's over. So what can we expect, Rudy, here in the United States? I think we can expect even worse than predicted. This is an invasion of the United States. Uh, very simply put, right? It would be as if people or it is as if people are just walking over the border. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they come from, and we're not asking. They are being vetted. They're being vetted by the Mexican cartels. So you can pretty much assume we're going to get a pretty bad distribution of people uh to assume that they're all good people that we should be very sympathetic with is totally ridiculous we don't know who they are and the chances are that there are going to be a disproportionate number of drug dealers human traffickers people that can further the ends of the mexican cartels and the chinese government 
the biggest thing about them is they're bringing fentanyl in in numbers that set records unlike any other president in American history. He's getting Americans killed by fentanyl left and right, even ones who use marijuana. This is an absolute disaster. A country without a border is no longer a nation, particularly one that's built on shared values. We're not Italy. We're not France. We're not Germany. We're not Russia. We're not built on being American. There's no nation, nationality called American. We create American by shared values. If people come here who don't share those values, to the extent they overwhelm, there's no longer an America. And this is exactly what Biden is trying to do. This is the Soros plan. This is the Sololinsky plan. This is the Obama plan. And this is the Karl Marx plan for us. Well, that is so well said. Now, let's take it from a federal level, the folks you just mentioned, to here. And, uh, look, you've been fair with Mayor Eric Adams. I've heard at times you said, I kind of like that. But for the most part, he hasn't done a great job. We know that. And here he is. Anytime somebody does something he doesn't like, like the governor in Texas, Abbott, racist, Ed Day up in Rockland County, anti-Semite, racist. Now, I don't know if you heard the interview with me and him two weeks ago, but I said, Eric, Stop using that word. It makes you sound bad. He hasn't stopped doing it. He hasn't stopped. It does. It does make him look bad. I mean, Ed Day is elected in a county where if you're not popular with Jewish people, you can't get elected. It's got the biggest Hasidic community, probably next to New York City, including that uh, wonderful city of Curious Yoel. Uh, I mean, people don't realize how heavy a Jewish population there is in Rockland. But putting that aside, the reality is I'll, I'll do the same thing you're doing. I admire very much the position he's taken on Penny, where he's basically said what a mayor should say. Calm down, listen to all the facts, and don't jump to a conclusion and go demonstrating and burning things in the street. I admire that, particularly coming from a Democratic mayor. That's hard to do. Uh, However, what he's done on the border for us in New York is a disaster. He set us up as the most generous sanctuary city a year and a half ago. We give more benefits than any other city. He announced that, and he advertised it. Every single migrant coming in, legal, every illegal migrant coming in, including the worst criminals, know that New York City is the best place to come from. Abbott didn't have to convince them to come to New York. They wanted to come to New York. He gave us less than wanted to come here, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know if he realizes he, was, he did a great marketing job among illegals to New York. He does a terrible marketing job among people who pay their taxes. Because they're leaving in record numbers. That's true. You are right about that. This is uh, the great Rudy Giuliani, the esteemed mayor, and does a great job here every afternoon at 3 o'clock. So I had Trump on yesterday. We had a great conversation. Pretty much, yeah, we recap, Rudy, what had happened the night before on CNN, which I thought was a disgrace. I know people are trying to make excuses for Caitlin Collins. She's young. She was following orders. I don't care. Trump was right. She was nasty. She called him a liar more than once. She would repeat the same question in very disrespectful fashion ten times. What were your thoughts on her and that really circus CNN put on a couple nights ago? I I thought it helped elect him. Uh, He was magnificent in many ways. Under that kind of pressure, to be as dignified as he was, 
to just say in rather, you know, just normal tone, you're, you're nasty. He didn't, he didn't lose his temper. He just, by the time he said she was nasty, nasty, the people I was with called her every name that had, would have to be bleeped out. So did I. I mean, <laughs> she, acted, I mean she, acted, she acted like a child, actually. Yep. yep. She acted like a high school child who was trying to impress her boss. You know, she got the job at 9 o'clock. She can be on at nine o'clock now on news, uh, not Newsmax, against Newsmax. Newsmax is going to knock her socks off, and uh, you know she, her mother, father, and three other people will watch her for the rest of her life. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, CNN is worthless. <laughs> Their ratings are below MSNBC. I mean, it may have a name, but it has no listeners. None, zero. But you know what? You know what bothers me too. Talking about no viewers and no listeners. The other day, only two people carried the Jim Comer Rudy press conference that he put on on Capitol Hill. That day, ironically, Joe Biden was here in New York. But Comer and a bunch of other uh, Republicans were on Capitol Hill detailing how the Bidens, and not just Hunter, but his good old daddy, the President Joe, are criminals, accepting millions and millions of dollars from the Chinese, Romania, Moscow, it goes on and on. Only Fox News and Sid Rosenberg carried that press conference live. No one else even touched it, including Newsmax and other outlets. So you talk about nobody viewing. Here was a big deal detailing the criminal the Bidens are, and nobody saw it. It's true. I mean, it's much harder to get the message across. But we're doing it. Uh, we're getting maybe – we're getting it across you know, much slower than it should get across, uh, not 100%. But now you got 63, what, 67 percent of the American people who don't think he's capable of carrying out the duties. Uh, 62 percent thinking he's fundamentally dishonest. Uh, those, that's to the credit of Sid Rosenberg, WABC, usually Newsmax, uh, uh, people like our friend Greg Kelly. And uh, yeah, there's so many of them. Dan Bongino, who got fired. Uh, obviously, Tucker, who got fired. There's, there are enough voices nowadays that you can get the message out. I learned that in 2020 when I got the hard drive. We got shut out completely. We got attacked. I was named I was named at the debate by Biden as a Russian agent. He named me. I know, ridiculous. <laughs> but we still got it out to 50% of the people. And now it's out to about 70%. So it's hard. It shouldn't be that way. It's more like uh, China than America. But We've got patriots who are getting this information out, and the American people are starting to catch on. I hope so. I really do. 60 seconds to go, Rudy. It's always an honor to have you. You know how much I love you. Uh, my dear friend is Joseph Takapina, still a relatively young guy. He's 56 years old, but now involved in this massive case for Trump a couple of days ago. As a seasoned veteran, big-time attorney, when you watch Joe Takapina, you proud of him? Yeah. He, I mean, I, he, he had a – I mean, look. To get a rape, uh, uh, I, I shouldn't call it acquittal, it wasn't a uh, criminal trial, uh, a finding of no liability on rape, to me, is a big win. In a New York jury? Greed. I, think, I, didn't, I didn't think they had a chance of uh, even the jury staying in for one hour. Remember, this is an 85% Democratic city. We elected uh, – we've elected Democrats like by, by just not even thinking. So I was surprised that we got at least the no rape out of it. The president has to take some responsibility for not having testified. That's, that's tough in a rape case. The jury wants to hear you say, I didn't do it. 
not on tape. They want to hear you say it. And he's so damn persuasive. I, I mean, I would have begged him to be a, a, mm. a, a, a witness. He, but he makes that choice, not the lawyer. So I would not blame this one on, on, on whether it's Joe or any other lawyer. The odds were against him to start with. Agreed. Now, and then one more, talking about lawyers, Tom Kniff is going to give me an exclusive, Rudy, coming up at 940. Please. Yeah, he's a big deal. He's representing Daniel Penny this morning. They did okay. charge him with manslaughter, too, which is a much lesser charge, obviously, than murder. And a lot of the guys that I speak to, both like Dal and Takapina this morning, really believe Kniff will get this guy off. What do you think? I do. It reminds me. Well, I don't want to say it reminds me of the Getz case because it's a much better case. But when I was U.S. attorney, I turned down the Getz case and left it for Morgenthau. Because when I listened to the confession with my assistant, Howard Wilson, we said, you're not convicting this guy. Certainly not on the major counts. And they got him on a gun charge. I mean, nothing. Uh, basically, the jury acquitted Getz. And the facts were tougher in Getz. This guy did exactly the right thing. You know, somebody uh, somebody who was attacked by this uh, career criminal, vi- violent predator who he killed uh, uh, said, he, I wish I wish the Marine were there when I got beaten up. And the day before, he almost threw somebody on, on a subway track. That's right. So that Marine delayed two seconds. Who knows if uh, one or two of those people wouldn't yep. be dead right now. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the guy was a violent guy. He punched a lady across the face, a 67-year-old woman. He wasn't some cute, nice guy dancing to Michael Jackson tunes. Five that, arrests right. for violating human beings, any one of whom he could have killed with the Agreed. power that he had. Agreed. Lucky. Hey, Rudy, you're great. I love you. Thank you for doing this. I want you to do it more often. You were coming on almost every week, and I miss you. So keep coming back, okay? I, I, I love it. And great and great uh, segment about moms. I loved it. I heard <laughs> <laughs> that was Noam Laden. Thank you, Rudy. You were great as always. I love you, pal. Thank you. There he is, esteemed mayor on 3 o'clock every weekday afternoon in our station. What a great segment that was, too. The great Rudy Giuliani. Very exciting 9 o'clock hour to come your way. After Scott Bale, Hall of Fame Jets quarterback Joe Namath, and Tom Kniff, attorney for Daniel Penny, all coming up. Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're going to rock around the clock tonight. But it's right, right, so join me home. We'll have some fun when the clock's I think my boy Scotty was uh, already on the station with Bo Snurdly a couple of days ago. But you guys know, of course, I do Jesse Waters' show on a regular basis, and I saw Scott Bale on um, with Waters a couple of days ago. And he's still as handsome as ever. He's a handsome kid, this uh, Scott Bale. Not a kid, I don't know how old he is anymore, but still looks great. And uh, Scott has decided to leave California. Of course he has. It's filthy. It's homeless everywhere, crime. It's New York, same thing. We've got Kathy Hochul. They've got Gavin Newsom. We've got Eric Adams. I don't even know who they've got now in L.A. They had Eric Garcetti for a long time. Gil's kid. He's a, he's the worst. So California's become a hellhole, as gorgeous as it is. And our dear friend Scott Bale, you heard the theme there from Happy Days. Chachi, all those great shows, Charge in Charge, all of them. He's decided to uh, to get out. And that's a big story when a guy that has spent decades in Hollywood, a big star, Decides to leave because 
You can't live there anymore. Now, we're dealing with that here in New York on a huge basis. Hundreds of thousands of people leave, but not as famous as Scott Baio. So with that said, live from California, my buddy Scott Baio. Scotty, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning. I'm I'm not in California, Sid. Where are you now? I'm in the beautiful, clean state of Florida. You know, it's so funny. Somebody said to me, where would Bayo move? And I said, well, ideally, being he's a Brooklyn kid and he had that great show last summer at Severian High School right here in New York, he'd come here. But he wouldn't come home to New York because New York is worse than California. I said, if I had to take a guess, Bayo was going to go to Florida. Ron DeSantis, nice weather, right? You got a, a, a Republican. Free. It's free. And it's free. free. And it's great, right? Yep. It's fantastic. It's uh, it's what it's what California was maybe fifty years ago in terms of cleanliness and you know uh, there's, you don't see any homeless people here. Like you said, Sid, L.A., which is where I lived for forty five years, uh, was which was once maybe the most beautiful place on the planet to live, has devolved into. Um, into um, you know a third world country, it's it's very bad and and the thing for me, look, you can talk about the homeless and the, the, them defecating on the sidewalk in the middle of the day and doing drugs and the and the illegals and the graffiti everywhere and the filth and and the fact that the criminals are are not uh, that that the victims are now the criminal and the criminal is now the victim. Um, you know, the, the the number one thing for me, the number one thing for me for government is to keep us safe. And I I just didn't feel safe anymore with my family. There. I just didn't feel safe. You know, everything else, if you don't have safety, Sid, you're done. No, you're right. I mean, we didn't feel safe living in New York City. We lived pretty nice area, Scotty. You know the city very well, 104th and West End. But we were one block removed from Broadway with this crime all the time. And we moved to a very nice little part in Queens, all cops, first responders, Trump territory, very Republican. And we found that little niche, but we didn't feel safe. And I've got two kids, like you've got a family. And the one thing about Florida, because I did live there, as you know, Scotty, for 16 years, I lived in Boca. Just moved back here in 2016. Yeah, 16 years in Boca. Just moved back here seven years ago because of the job and a chance to work with Bernie at WABC. Living there, it ain't ain't bad. I mean, you you feel safe, basically, wherever you are. Yeah, and and honest to God, Sid, it's not, you know, when I I said that I was moving to Florida, you would have thought, you know, the the sea was parting with all the the requests (laughs) that I had. I know I mean it, and I'm not bragging, you know, to do interviews about it. and 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 my first thought was, well, why are you talking to me? Because you would expect that from me. Why not, why not people, not you, but why not Why not these interviewers call, you know, liberal celebrities who are leaving the state and ask them why they're leaving? You know why I'm leaving, right? So, it, well, But, but it, is, it, is that happening? I mean, can you, can you say for sure, Scott Baio, that there are also liberal celebrities yes. leaving the state? Yes. Yes. Yes, you can look them up. I mean, Katy Perry's gone. I think Brad Pitt is gone. I think you know, a lot of these people. Just, I don't know who else because I haven't. You know, I I don't I don't really pay attention to all that. But these are the people that I know that have left, so they're gone. But and Sid, I am not speaking as a Republican or a conservative. I'm speaking. I'm, I'm just talking as an American. 
I have I have friends in California. You know, I, I'm a cigar smoker, and I have friends in California, and we smoke. And, and there's a bunch of liberals in the lounge that I go to, and they can't stand it either. And I tell them, well, why do you keep voting for these people? I would vote for a Democrat if I thought they were going to fix something. I absolutely would. You know, so I am— I am an American who's who became afraid for my wife and my child. And I said, you know what? I'm done. I had the mm. opportunity. I have the means. And I just split. Good for you. This is uh, the great actor. A good friend of mine is, uh, is the great Scott Bale. You know, uh, Gavin Newsom, of course, is the governor. And the thought is, if Joe Biden ever drops out, he's the next best choice. It ain't Pete Buttigieg. It's not going to be Michelle Obama. Newsom's the next best choice, but again, he's done a terrible job in California. So my buddy calls me the other day as if I lived there. You lived there. He goes, well, who did worse, Arnold Schwarzenegger or Gavin Newsom? I said, let me call one of my good buddies in California. Here you are, bad as Gavin Newsom was and is. Was Schwarzenegger any better? Well, the problem with Schwarzenegger is he did not have the legislature with him. So there was nothing he could do. He tried. He tried to fix some things, but it, it's all. It's a supermajority there, and I think it was. It was a supermajority back when he was governor, or maybe it was becoming one. So what can you do if you don't have the legislature? He was. His hands were tied, and I, and I and and if they put Gavin Newsom up, look, again, I, I, as an American, please, you can't vote for this guy. If you look at San Francisco, if you look at what happened with L.A., that's what the country will look like. It is a. It is filthy. It is graffiti. It is homeless. It is illegals. And it's people who are afraid to go out of their homes. My, my wife and kid don't want to go to the mall. I don't want to go wow. to the mall. Wow. I mean, wow. it's it's really it. And it's sad, Sid. It's sad because California, like you said in your opening, California is beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's not worth my safety. No, I agree. I mean, there was so. I mean, I haven't been to California much lately. I was there to film that movie Gemini Lounge last year, which is now called Inside Man. And uh, we filmed it in, in a downtown industrial area in Los Angeles. But I did stay at the very ritzy, Scott, Beverly Hills Hotel. So I was nice. in some – yeah. So we were in some pretty good neighborhoods for the week. Beverly Hills looked lovely. But I got to tell you, we arrived on the day of the marathon, the L.A. Marathon. And this is right across the street, basically, from the entrance to Beverly Hills – and I saw a bunch of homeless right there by the pearly gates, right there. Yeah. yeah, and you can't do anything about it. So they they go where they want to go, and, and they, they keep throwing money at it. But it's become an industry now, Sid. The homeless has become an industry. And uh, people, you know, uh, raise money, and they make money to to give the homeless whatever they need. But a lot of that money goes who knows where. Yeah. So, yep. you know, you'll drive you drive in California in LA and you go under an overpass uh and you'll see they they there's bathrooms, they have cabinets and drawers, they have armoires, radios, <laughs> cell phones. I'm like, "Well, what what are we doing?" I mean, unbelievable. So for you, what's it been like? I mean, you're a Brooklyn kid, but like you said, Scott Bale, you spent the better part of almost 5 decades on the West Coast. Now you're back on the East Coast. Does that take a lot of change or for your body? I mean, just the whole clock. Sid, it's a lot of things. Yeah. It's I, I, I love the humidity because I grew up in it. But 
it's my family. It's my friends that I leave. It's the things that are familiar to me. It, it, it's it's tough. It's yeah. not it's not it's not an easy thing. As you, I mean, I've been there for forty five years. Wow. And you know, there's so much history of me just living there. And I, you know, I go back every once in a while, and it breaks my heart. It really does. I mean, I miss my brother and sister. I miss my friends. Oh. I mean, I could talk to them on Zoom and all that kind of stuff. Not and the that's same. Fine. It's not the same. No, it's not the same. But that's a that's a huge consideration. But you have to, you know, weigh my my safety, my family's well being against all that. And we decided to just come here, and. Uh, and and that's that's where we are. Did you drive cross country, Scott, from LA to Florida, no. or when you made no. the action? Or no. you flew? No, yeah, no. you flew. I've I've, I've driven cross country many 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 years ago when I first came here. Right. I'll never do it again. Right, no, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. I agree, it's horrible. Beautiful country, but I don't want to be the car. <laughs> so so take me back to the day when Scott Bayo pulls out of his garage or in front of his house in Los Angeles and starts to make that trip to the airport in Los Angeles to say goodbye to 45 years of memories. What, what are you thinking? What are you, what are you going through? It's, it's very surreal. Uh, it, it's almost like a dream. And I mean that it's, you, you don't, you, it hasn't really hit me yet because there's still things that I need to close up in LA. Uh, some properties that, that we had sold. Um, and it's just, Sid, there are mo- honestly, Sid, there are moments when I'll be absolutely great. I'll be, oh, this is fantastic. And then I'll be driving and I'll hear a song on the radio and I'll go, oh, did I really do this? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And I get sad. Yeah. So I'm sure that'll all dissipate as time goes on. But it's it's every emotion you could think of. But anger is not the main one. To me right now, you're still on that stage where it's more kind of sad, morose, melancholy. Yeah. I miss. But eventually, yeah. Scotty, anger is going to take over. You know that. Well, I've been angry for a while now. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think the anger is gone. Uh, I I just to see to see. I, I lived in a place called the San Fernando Valley, in in L.A. And the San Fernando Valley was. It was it was paradise. It was just trees and parks and beautiful suburbs, and it, you could walk out at any time. And this is not that long ago. You could walk out of your house at night, walk around, go down the main drag, get something to eat, and it was fine. And now you you just don't. And that's the part that that um, that that's sad. And, and I know people still do it, and people think I'm over exaggerating, and that's fine. But I don't think I am, and I have to do what I got to do. So, are you living uh, on the East Coast or West Coast down in Florida? I am on the beautiful West Coast, Sid, where the beaches are clear and the sand is white. Yeah, there's no Jews, though. I can't live there. <laughs> I mean, it's all guys. There's no what? There's no Jews. There's no what? There's no Jewish people. On, there's no Jews on the West Coast? No. <laughs> <laughs> there's a joke in there, but I won't. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, oh, in Miami and Boca and all those areas, that's basically like the sixth borough. That's Long Island on steroids. You start going out to Tampa, Clearwater, St. Pete, it's beautiful country, but the um, the old-time Jews all live on the East Coast. But the, the, the really the, the, the booming part 
and we're kidding aside, of Florida in terms of beauty and money and growth is the West Coast. It's gorgeous there. Yeah, but listen, you are welcome here anytime. <laughs> I, will, I will take care of you. <laughs> I'm going to come. I'm serious. I just saw. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, I just, I got to get back to Florida at some point. Anyway, my son will probably go to college down there. And again, it is a beautiful place. But I think what you did shows a couple of things. First of all, we already know this. You're a great husband and a terrific dad. I know that 100%. It's true. It's true. And, and, and you're a great American and you care about this country. And you do love California. So if Scott Baio moves from California to Florida, that tells you all you need to know about our Democratic cities, our Democratic states, and just how really nasty it's getting inside this country and how important that 2024 election is when both Scott Baio and Sid Rosenberg pressed the lever for Donald Trump. Yep. A Catholic and a Jew. (laughs) (laughs) Leaving. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you. It's going to work out. It's really a lovely place, and I That's do feel great. badly. I mean, you, yeah, you always make me cry just now, but I'm sorry. But it'll be nice. No, I promise. I, I know. I'm, I'm. Listen, Sid. I'm. I'm great. Uh, but there are moments when you go. You know, it's so funny. A friend of mine from L.A. came here for some business, and I looked at him. I said, "Where the hell are we?" You know, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm in a whole different planet here. But it's fantastic. It's, it's wonderful here. I, I, I do love it. I do. Good, good. And your family loves it, so uh, we'll keep in touch. I do get down there often. And uh, good luck, and uh, you'll get acclimated. And all the best to you, Scott Bale. Thank you for doing this. It's a big deal for me. Thank you so much. I love you, brother. I'll talk to you later. I love you, too. Thank you. It's my man, Scott Bale. I really do love this kid. Love him. And that's a big move. Scott Bale, Los Angeles to Florida. There you have it, folks. Same Friday morning, Academy Award winning actor John Boyd and Chachi both told me, quote, I love you. Let's see if Joe Namath follows suit. A Hall of Fame Jet quarterback is coming up next. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. In the morning, 77 WABC.
Fiji's Nights on Broadway. Broadway, Joe Namath. Joe Willie set to join me here momentarily. And then Sid Rosenberg exclusive, the attorney for the heroic Marine. And I do call him a hero. Sorry, Jordan nearly died. I really am. Said that on television. But what he did was heroic. More New Yorkers need to do it. Still charged with manslaughter. Daniel Penny, his attorney, Tom Kniff, coming on with me. Just me exclusively coming up. After Namath, what a show already. I mean, even Lou Rafino, who's been around the all-time best, is is floored by what we've done this week. President I Trump. Do, I right? can't sit still. You really can't. Audie Idala, Curtis Sliwa, Joseph Takapina, Nicole Maliotakis, Academy Award-winning actor John Voight, Rudy Giuliani, and Scott Bayo so far with Joe Namath and Kniff still to come. I know you spoke to Jessica, Joe's daughter, and he's supposed to be calling, so... How long does it take to dial the phone? I know his well, knees aren't great, but what about his fingers? I ask that question um, several times a week, actually. <laughs> yeah. How long does it take for people to just... Right. I mean, you just oh. spoke to Jessica seconds ago, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah. schedule is out. The Jets, the Aaron Rodgers era, begins on 9-11. Monday night football, the Jets and division rival... And I believe uh, these are the two best teams inside the AFC East. Pats have gone backwards. Miami, you just don't know with that quarterback. I think it's the Jets and the Bills. And they'll go head-to-head 9-11 Monday night football. The night before, also primetime, Sunday night, the Giants start their season against their rival inside their division, the Dallas Cowboys. The whole schedule is out today, but Jets and Bills, AFC East rivalry, Monday night, 9-11, Giants and Cowboys, NFC East rivalry, Sunday night on the 10th. You know, the Giants played a Monday night football game on the 10th in 2001. And they had just come off an embarrassing Super Bowl loss, my late great dear friend Jim Bossel, to the Baltimore Ravens. And they opened the very next season... Monday Night Football, September the 10th, against Brian Greasy and the Denver Broncos, and they got blown out. And that didn't matter the next morning because the very next morning was 9-11. And you heard the story before that when the Giants landed at Newark Airport, Fossil told me this every year till he passed away last year. The plane taxied and pulled up right next to United Flight 93, as that plane was taking off. And that was the plane that crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Wow. Eerie, right? Right next to that plane. They had no idea. They had no idea. And Foss would always tell the story that he would go to work, and there's a parking lot right by Giant Stadium, whatever it's called now, MetLife. And all these Jersey folks would park their cars there in the morning take public transportation to work in New York City and get in their cars and come home at night. So when Jim got to the office at the stadium 6 o'clock in the morning, there were very few cars there, except after 9-11. All those cars never left because those people were dead. And he said he would just stare at the parking lot every day and cry. So we're coming up, believe it or not, on 22 years already. 9-11, which is uh, right around the corner. And that's why we're proud of the work we do every Wednesday with Frank Siller and Tunnel to Towers. But here he is, 
Super Bowl winning quarterback, in my opinion, the most influential player ever to play the game because he brought the AFL to the NFL. And most importantly, a dear friend of mine for the better part of 25 years, the great Joe Namath. What up, brother? Hey. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, that's a lot said there, and uh, bring back a lot of memories, Sid. Thank you. Uh, it's all true. You're just going back to those days with Mike Levy and you and Schmidt in the days at CBS Sports Line and Cypress Creek Road in Fort Lauderdale, circa 1998, and you were so great to me and my partner at the time, Scott Kaplan, and I know he still talks to you. He's down in San Diego. I'm here in New York, and you've maintained this friendship, and you don't have to. I mean, you're freaking Joe Namath. But uh, that's the type of person you are, and that's why to this day, Joe, to this day, and that Super Bowl was, you know, 50-plus years ago, people still love you here because that's the type of guy you are. Well, uh, I I feel good about uh, visiting with folks, you know. I think everything starts at home, and respect uh, for others is basic, and I treat everyone as best as I can like I want them to treat my family. And, uh I'm thrilled and honored that, that I've led the kind of life or have the kind of life that the good Lord has blessed me with. Yes. And you you gotta, know, yeah. when we talk about Super Bowl, Sid, and, and a national championship football, it's a team effort. Yeah, I was fortunate to have uh, outstanding teammates, man, and coaches. And, uh, you know, the, the big game of life, hell, that, that's team two. You know, we need to do the right thing together in this big game going on. And they did. I mean, you look at the other guys, you know, you won the MVP. I was okay with that. But certainly Matt Snell had a huge game that day. George Sauer had a huge game that day. Your defense picking off those cold quarterbacks. So really that day specifically, that Super Bowl three win, that really was a tremendous team effort. There was a tremendous team effort, and you're right about Matt Snell especially. I thought he should have been the MVP, my personal opinion, but that didn't matter much, you know. But because Matt, uh, he, he carried that rock boy, and, well, our offensive line did a heck of a job, too, against the, the best defense, uh, supposedly, in, in the league, in the league's history. The Colts were just uh, a wonderful football team, but, that day was our day. We played better than they did, and uh, it was the first AFL victory, as you well know, over the NFL in the in the championship game. So uh, thanks for bringing the memories back. Uh, you're welcome. And, of course, that, was, that, that really paved the way for the AFL to join the NFL. That's why I still call you the most influential figure, not just a Hall of Fame great player, whether it's Tuscaloosa or New York. Uh, <laughs> you, you really brought the AFL to the NFL and that brings us to this day, Joe. You know, since you're gone, we've had three quarterbacks get very close. Richard Todd, one game away. Vinny Testaverde, one game away. Twice, Mark Sanchez, one game away. But no quarterback since you has played in a Super Bowl for the Jets. And, you know, they got Brett Favre years ago when Jet fans got excited. But I don't remember the base this excited about a quarterback as they are now with Aaron Rodgers. Do you feel the same way? Yes. Yes, I sure do. Uh, Aaron has uh, played so beautifully over the 18 years. Uh, what is this? He's going into his 19th season or 20th? Yeah. Uh, I believe 20th. He's going to be 40 years okay. old. I think. Yeah, and uh, I've said this before. I marvel at the way the guy's played. I mean, I watch him uh, 
I have a good eye for, for football and for players and what they're doing on the field. And I've seen him do things on the field that have been spectacular, and he's able to adjust so many times. He uh, he makes the people around him a lot better. He's going to make that jet offensive line a lot better, too. And uh, the receivers, uh, Lady Luck said, Lady Luck and injuries. <laughs> uh, th- yeah. That's the thing with Lady Luck. I, I Sometimes she doesn't smile on a team uh, when it comes to injuries. If the Jets can stay healthy with Aaron uh, being their man, uh, I, I know they're going to give a good run for the playoffs. I think so, too. And I thought uh, your gesture, Joe, was so sweet when Aaron finally was traded to the Jets and you said, hey, listen, man, you could wear my number 12, which I don't think any Jet should ever wear that. That's just my opinion. And I'm a Giant fan, but I still think that number should be put away forever. But you were so kind, and I thought it was really respectful, very respectful out of Aaron Rodgers when he said, nah, I'm going to wear my college number. That number belongs to Joe Namath. And I think you got broken up over that, yes? I, uh, I I was uh, uh, that was that was a great uh, show of uh, respect for the game. Uh, Aaron's a class act. I mean, let me put it that way. He knows what he's doing. It, 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 he's not. Uh, it's not his first time getting around the block, and uh, he he treats teammates and people in, in a fine fashion, from what I know, yeah. from what I've heard also. And uh, yeah, it I doesn't surprise me. Uh, you know that had been done, Sid. I, uh, I I did some research. There were two times uh, in the NFL because it wasn't for me to say, "Hey, uh, you can't wear that number." You know, we have Mr. Johnson and Chris, uh, Woody and Chris, uh, new franchise. I didn't know whether uh, they'd make the change or not. I didn't know what the NFL rules were. But uh, it happened twice. With once with Steve Largent out in. Uh, Seattle and uh, Jerry Rice got to the team. Steve Largent's number 80 was retired, but Steve uh, uh, said, Jerry Rice, yeah, of course, you, mm. you keep you, you can play with that number. And right. also Kelly Sapika was the quarterback uh, for the Denver Broncos. And when Peyton Manning went out to uh, Denver, uh, he called the Tropeka family. Kelly wasn't still with us, but uh, they gave the blessing for uh, Peyton to go ahead and wear that number 18 that he'd been wearing. You wow. Know? Yeah. So uh, those two instances that has happened and uh, in a respectful fashion. Uh, uh, and that's the way I felt about Aaron. I, this goes back to whenever Aaron and Brady both were being talked about. Tom hadn't retired yet. And uh, the Jets were talking about uh, making a move. And, uh, of course, man, our Jets fans, <laughs> we've been – We've been biting it a bit hard, man. It's been a long time since uh, we won a championship and, and even made the playoffs in recent history. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, uh, Aaron's picked up a whole lot of people in uh, <laughs> yes. New York, and we're excited. Big game coming up with the Giants, too. Yes. So. We actually go head-to-head during the regular season in October. That's yes. exciting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell yes, you, sir. you know, last year the Jets were seemingly on their way to the playoffs. They were like 7-4, and four and Mike White was in, and Garrett Wilson was making big plays. But uh, two more will let you run, Joe. I love you to pieces. I really do. This kid, Zach Wilson, he was going to be the future. They took him number two overall a couple of years ago, and clearly now – 
he's not the future. He's not off the team, and maybe he learns from Aaron. Maybe he gets a shot with the Jets or somebody else one day. But if you're Zach Wilson showing up for work knowing full well, now you're really not going to play. How does that go for Zach? You don't show up for work knowing you're not going to play, first of all. You're showing up for work to be ready to play. You're showing up for work to step right out there. In a, in a split second, in a minute, whatever, you're going to be on the field sometime. Uh, that's the way you got to look at it, and you owe it not just to yourself. You owe it to all those guys you're working with to practice as hard, study as hard as, as you would, as you could as a starter. Uh, you can step in at any time. And I haven't met Zach, but uh, I, I can only uh, uh, believe that Coach Sala, who's done one heck of a job with that group, that whole team, uh, knows what they're doing. And now Hackett in there, uh, he's going to do the kind of things that uh, if Zach plays, he's going to do what Zach can do best. And, uh, of course, Aaron does everything well. So Zach, he has a future, his footwork. He, he's got uh, quick feet. Uh, he has a reasonably st- strong arm. And his accuracy uh, could be improved. Yeah. I mean, all of us like to throw a strike every time, yeah. you know? Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't count Zach out. And, and like you say, what's he going to do? He's going to prepare like he's going to play every single day because Aaron, the coaches, hack it. They're not going to let him get away with uh, without the right attitude. You're right, and, and so many teams now forced to use two quarterbacks, three quarterbacks because defenses are so strong and these players are so fast and strong these days. Aaron has been relatively healthy like Eli Manning was his whole career, but at this age you just don't know. So on the way out, Joe Namath, in the last 60 seconds, I know Joe Beningo is listening right now. Lots of Jet faithful are listening right now. What is the great Joe Namath's message to Jet fans for this upcoming 2023 season? We're going out trying to win every single game, man, starting one at a time. Opening day with those Buffalo Bills coming into town, we're going to be ready, and we're going to take them out that day. And then we're going to take the next week. We're going to work hard and uh, try to bring that championship, try to bring that division title, first of all, back to to New Jersey, New York, where it belongs. I love it. Are you going to be there, that uh, 9-11 game against the Bills? I don't know. You know, uh, I take it a day at a time, and uh, I talk to God a lot. <laughs> it's in his hands. You know, we'll yeah. see what happens. All right. Well, hey, give me God's number. I want to book him after you, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can use any number. He'll be listening. And your daughter Jessica is great, too, uh, Joe, as we've known for many years. She really is terrific. And you're the best, Joe Namath. Thank you, as always, for being so good to me. My childhood hero and uh, still a great friend to this day. Thank you so much, Joe Namath. Thank you, Sid. You're a treat, buddy. You too. God bless you. Joe Namath, there he is, all-time great Joe Namath. I got chills. You, Lou? I got chills every time I hear him talk. I know. He's still so great. Yeah, man. Joe Namath. All right, let's take a break. I'll show you how we hold the laces right now. This is this is a winning spiral. That's all it takes. Nice. That's a good Joe Namath, Lewis. Uh, Joe Willie was just one of the greats. (laughs) He's still with us. 
What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. All right, so last year... My friend Tom Kniff ran against Alvin Bragg for DA here in Manhattan. And I brought Tom on. And I love Tom. Tom, by the way, served this country proudly. He's a great American. And he lost, but he's a tremendous attorney. He is now the attorney for Daniel Penny, who did turn himself in this morning in the Jordan Neely story. Tom can't say a heck of a lot, but he's such a loyal guy and such a good friend that he's going to pop on for a couple of minutes with me exclusively anyway, just to give us some update. So here he is once again, Daniel Penny's attorney, a good friend of mine, and a great American, Tom Kniff. Mr. Kniff, thank you for your service. Good morning, buddy. Uh, it's been a privilege, Sid. How are you, my friend? I, I am doing great. But just so you know, uh, Bo Deedle was a cop for a long time. He knows everything, chokeholds, headlocks. He served on a big case in 73. He's offered up his services to testify for you, Curtis with too. So there's a bunch of people who want to help out this morning, which is very nice. But just if you can, tell us what your morning was like, or whatever you can tell us, and what may be ahead of you. Yeah, well, I, I know I know both Bo and uh, Kurt as well. They're they're great Americans, so it's uh, it's good to hear that they're uh, supporting this uh, situation. Um, you know, look, it, it was what it was. Uh, you know, uh, we, we were uh, anticipating that the grand jury process would run its course, and uh, you know, at the conclusion of that, we'd know what direction we were going in. That for reasons, you know, that aren't uh, completely known to us, changed, and the uh, district attorney wanted to make an arrest on a felony complaint. Um, obviously, uh, you know, we didn't have much, <laughs> much of a choice, yeah. but we wanted to be, you know, fully cooperative by my client. You know, we immediately uh, arranged the surrender. My client did it voluntarily. He did it with dignity, and, uh, you know, the process is going to unfold. Yeah, I saw your partner uh, Reiser's comments uh, this morning. Artie Idala wanted me to ask you specifically about bail. He said, you know, if they're really serious about this, you know, the right thing to do, he said, would be no bail, quite frankly. But if they levy a big bail against this guy, then, you know, your client, then they're really going to try to put the screws to you. Can you tell us anything about that or, or not yet? Yeah, you know, I, I, well, I can't get into any specifics. What I, what I would say is that we've had, you know, very fruitful conversations with uh, – the district attorney's office, and, and I'm, I'm quite confident that we're going to, you know, have a bail package worked out uh, by this afternoon. Uh, Ira Juddelson, who's the, uh, you know, celebrity bail bondsman, some people refer to him as. Yeah. I just know him as a good guy that yeah. I've been using for years with a, with a, with a good uh, reputation. Uh, you know, we're working with him on it, and, uh, you know, I, I think I think we'll have common ground there. That's what I believe. Were you surprised that Mr. Penny was charged at all? Was there a part of you that thought, because then I was talking to what uh, Judge Weinberg, you know him too, and he was actually surprised there was any charge. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I don't think that. Uh, I mean, if you're asking me, you know, legally, do I, do I, do I think that he should have been charged? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, what I will say is that a, a felony complaint 
uh, you know, is barely a charging document, you know, without an indictment, which in and of itself isn't evidence of anything, but at least it gets, you know, jurisdiction for the, for the court that can actually hear this case. Uh, you know, it, 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 all you need is a typewriter and a signature to arrest someone on a felony complaint. That's that's the reality of it. W- would I have liked that not to have happened to him at all? Of course. But it has nothing to do with uh, the strengths of the case or the weaknesses. Um, you know, and, and I, I think incredibly uh, confident that when everything is fleshed out, uh, Mr. Penny will uh, will be absolved of any wrongdoing here. There's, no, there's very little doubt in my mind. Oh, that's good to hear. Great to hear. So finally, in the last yeah. 30 seconds, Tom, how would you describe your client, Daniel Penny, his demeanor this morning? Was he, he in a good mood? Was he was he okay or was he nervous? How was Penny this morning? You know, I, I think, you know, as I pointed out earlier when we left the precinct, uh, you know, he conducted himself in a manner consistent with, you know, the, the dignity and honor of someone who serves uh, his country uh, honorably. Uh, you know, uh, look, he, he uh, you know, w- w- were any of us happy about this? Absolutely not. But, he, you know, he, he took it. Well, yeah, this is someone who has, you know, put himself in harm's way as a teenager uh, in the Marine Corps and, you know, has faced adversity. And, uh, you know, he, he is, you know, he, he is doing that here and he's, and he's doing it well. That's what I'll say. Well, I will say this. He couldn't get a better attorney. And this comes from a guy who's also friends with Joseph and Arthur. I mean, what a what a terrific uh, person you are, Tom. Again, a, a war hero, a, a veteran, uh, a guy that uh, is tremendous at your craft, law. So Daniel Penny's got the right guy. And I'm an advocate for Daniel Penny. I'm telling you, I think what he did was heroic. You don't have to comment. I thought what he did was heroic. I'm sorry that young man died. I really am. But uh, what he did, if more New Yorkers did what your client did, this would be a much safer place. So I think he's a hero, and I'm glad he's got you as his attorney. And thank you for giving me a couple of minutes this morning. Maybe we can talk again after the weekend, but thank you so much. Absolutely, Sid. Always good speaking with you, and I look forward to a continuing dialogue, okay? Me too. You're the best. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. All right. Take care, buddy. Thank you. How about that? Tom Kniff, right there, the attorney. Man. <laughs> what, guys? <laughs> oh, okay. You're waiting for me. Oh, I, yeah. somebody said you said, man. Let me see. What, what words can I use? Um, stunned. Yeah. Stunned. Yeah. It's, uh, what can you say? Look, look at this week. Yeah. Big week. How this about week, it? I, you cannot get more timely than that. Are you tired? No. I'm pumped. You're ready to go. Yeah. Are right, you going to do a show tomorrow? Let's do it. Who's on Monday? Who's on Monday? He'll get the text who's on Monday in about 10 minutes. Let's play these five songs. It was a great week, and really, you guys were great. Lou Rafino, Hall of Famer, magnificent. Thank you. Justin Ellett, great work. Noam Layden, terrific. Great job this morning, too. The Mother's Day stuff was great. Steve Winwood, happy birthday. Go back and listen to all our interviews at wabcradio.com. It's going to be gorgeous this weekend. Go out there and enjoy the hot weather. And God willing, we'll all do this again 6 a.m. on a Monday morning. Until then, from all of us here at Sitting Friends in the Morning, to all of you, New York, peace! Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt. 
causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L. On Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.